Welcome to the most forward-thinking, inspirational podcast in, in this, this reality. reality. The show designed to challenge everything we've been taught. If you've ever felt there had to be more to life, more to existence, then you're listening to the right podcast. Time to open your mind. And dive in. This, this is, is the, the Mental, Mental Mastery, Mastery Alliance, Alliance Podcast. And here we go. Not too long ago, I had the pleasure of podcasting with an old friend. I can't even say an old friend. I can at best say an old acquaintance. Somebody I knew in high school. Uh, or at least knew of in high school. It, it's, it was a neat connection. The Instagram came around and said, you know, Instagram's like, hey, you might know this person. Or, you know, other people are following this person or they're part of your interests. This stuff is fun. And 99.9% of the time, <laughs> it's like, yes, I do know that person. And no, I don't want to follow them. Uh, but this was different. Uh, I came across a, a friend, Alisa. Uh, she's got her own podcast. She's got her own free free thought platform. Uh, and she's doing some pretty amazing things. And I reached out to her and I just said, you know, hey, you're doing some awesome stuff over there. Keep up the great work. Kind of ironic that we went to high school together. And uh, she said, what? Who is this? I sent my name and sent a selfie while I was working out at the gym. And uh, she recognized me right away. And it's funny because our stories were so, they were almost polar opposite. You know, she was super popular in high school or, you know, ran with that crowd. Uh, I ran with no crowd. I had a very good friend who I stuck with, and uh, and we were kind of friends with everybody and friends with nobody all at the same time. Uh, and then high school changed. We all sort of moved on and graduated, and life happened, and we go up and we go down, and both of us went on separate journeys, completely, almost almost polar opposite journeys, uh, and then came back to center. Uh, it just goes to show that your story creates so much of of who you are and 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 who you are today. And we all have that thought in our head, you know, a leopard can't change its spots, right? So this person's never going to change. And we sort of parlay that internally and we think that we never change. But the truth is you aren't the same person you were 10 minutes ago, let alone, you know, 10 years ago. Your life has expressed certain things to you. Your life has shown you certain things and you've created certain things because of it. And now we have a position and a spot to be hyper aware of who and where we are. And who and where we used to be, knowing full well that we aren't the same person. So if anybody ever tries to bring your past up to you, you know, or, or hold your past against you, as long as you're operating with pure, unfiltered integrity today, um, you're going somewhere, you're doing something. And I said unfiltered because we're looking at the Elisa Curie show, Unfiltered Coaching. She is, she's running Unfiltered Podcasts. You've seen some of the clips probably on my Instagram, um, and she's run the episode a couple weeks ago, but I wanted to update it and I wanted to share this with you, uh, to anyone that's listening to this that hasn't, um, seen the, seen it, her episode, uh, this one's for you guys. Um, this is a swap cast. So this is me on her show. I hope you guys enjoy it. Adam Walton, welcome to the Elise Unfiltered podcast. How's it going, buddy? Uh, it's pretty good. It's it's pretty good. I um, it's it's been a long weekend. Uh, it's been an enjoyable 
It's been an enjoyable couple of days. Uh, I'm actually been I've been pretty excited about this particular show uh, and coming on here. I've done a lot of tours. I've done a lot. Of, I've gone on a lot of shows. Yeah, uh, and had a lot of fun with that. I I, I adore the podcast realm. I adore mm. I adore anyone that's creating something that is is eye opening or or mind bending or changing of of reality perspectives. Mm-hmm. I love this stuff. And your show, um, why I've been so excited about coming on your show is is our history. I've known you, or we've known each other, uh, or of each other, uh, uh, since high school, 1998, 99. This, mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. I was you, looking in, a, in I, I looked in my yearbook. I was like. At, at me? Like, oh, shit. Yeah, I was like, I'm going <laughs> to look up and see him in my yearbook. This one. This hilarious St. Mark's High School, Catholic oh. High School from 96, 97 year. Remember this stupid thing? I have I haven't seen that you, book in do forever. You remember that one? I've got a I've got the box of the books, right? I've got 94, 95, 96, 97. Um, and my grade 10 photo, I, I look hilarious. I'm like this little fat kid with a deer in the headlights look and this long hair and this undercut and straight out of the nineties, you know, it's just But I, I miss that shit too. Like I miss the nineties. I'm not gonna lie, like I'm nostalgic mm-hmm. for it. I'm not I don't want to go back there. I'm just, you know, I'm happy that it happened. Um, and, and looking yeah. back at it now, it's just like, fuck, that was just, it's just a wild time. It was a wild time. It was a wild time. But yeah, I've been looking forward to chatting with you too, because it's so cool how people come in and out of our lives and how you can reconnect with like, because time has passed. It's been like almost 20 years since high school. Well, 15 to 20 years. And we have both, we weren't really on similar paths in high school. I was like the sporty athlete person. I'm not even sure. Like there wasn't very many people on that path at St. Mark's. No, you were, it, you were, you were dedicated. I, and I remember that, like, again, I don't think you and I even said two words to each other in high school, but I knew no, who we you totally were. Did, did we, we? I knew who you were. Yes. See, yeah. see, okay. So here's another fun fact about high school. I remember it totally differently than like everybody else, because I have like people from high school listen to my show and yeah. I've had, I've I've talked about myself in high school and I've apologized for being an asshole and I've apologized for all the stuff you because an asshole? Wait, you see that's the thing like when you're broken and I was destroyed yeah. in high school I was just a fucking mess like, can okay. I swear on this show cuz sometimes I oh, swear 100% all right I yes, swear that. please so and I was just a mess and I've said to people and I'm like you know I apologize for for who I was and uh, one of my favorite memes of all time is uh, you know I was an asshole to some and I was a savior to others um, and it goes on to say mm-hmm. other things, but, but that was a hundred percent the fact. And there are people out there that, that hate you for the, the interaction that you had with them. Uh, yep. and, and you don't even realize it. Like you don't even, you don't even remember their faces, you know, that kind of thing. Like, yep. like there's this, there's another saying too, that there are no two versions of you any, anywhere in, in existence. And in other mm-hmm. words, in other words, nobody looks at you the same way. So this, the guy on the left, the guy on the right, everybody has the, the vision of you that they have is the version of, of who you are the day that you met combined with everything that they ever experienced in their life. Mm. And they fabricated this idea of who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, because I was broken, because I was angsty and because of whatever, like, I feel like I was a piece of shit to a lot of people. Mm. Uh, and, and um, I've had people message me when I talk about this on the show, I've had people message me and they, and they say, I went to high school with you. Like you were fucking hilarious. You were just one of those funny, fun loving guys that, and I'm like, yeah, that was definitely part of my aspects of, of who I was. But yeah. And, and like you are your own worst enemy too. So like you beat yourself up so much about certain things and you hold yourself accountable. Like if you try to think back to certain points in, in your time, especially when you're broken or on the road to recovery and repair, 
you mm-hmm. you'll always look back and say like you know you'll look back at like your quote unquote worst moments and yeah. and you don't give yourself the grace of looking back at some of your great moments and this is one of those things that you know as you sort of grow and 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 get into you know more healthier thought patterns that you can allow yourself the courtesy of hey you know maybe I wasn't such a bad guy uh, and that's so why what, did you think you were such an asshole though I I want to I want to sort of interject here because I was an asshole too. I was an asshole for totally different reasons. You say you were broken. Yeah. I was entitled. I, maybe. <laughs> you were you were you were you oh, ran with God. you ran with the rich kids. Yeah. Um and I, yeah, I But we weren't rich. No. I, like no. like I wasn't rich. We weren't rich. We had yeah, like that's a thing. I I I ran so my did you what what uh, grade school did you go to? You're also extremely attractive and that fucks with people. So yeah. like in, in high school, you were the Thank pretty you, kids. Way. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that like, I can say that sort of like in a term, like superficially, uh, you actually shattered one of my visions uh, of you, one of my childhood memories, and and we'll get into that in a second. Like you did that yeah, right just, before, right? You, just it just happened. I'm like, like I, God damn it. So, um, so <laughs> might, might as well tell the story now. Yeah, I was okay. my whole life. I'm like, yes, I went to school with a girl that went to the Olympics, and I was like, yay, yay. And I must have mm-hmm. seen you on like X Games, or I've seen you like I saw you yeah. on TV, Lisa Curry Lowitz. I'm like, in yeah. my mind, I'm like, there it is, the Olympics. Yeah. I know that girl. That's cool. So, I mean, I may be overspeaking it, but in my mind, you were the girl that I went to high school with that went to the Olympics. And then you just said off air that you never went to the Olympics. I didn't go. I never went to the Olympics. And I almost got off the call. I was just like, that's just too much. That's just too damn much. Too damn much. Oh, sorry. I know. It was, uh, it it, it shattered me too. (laughs) Damn it. Feel any better? <laughs> okay, so that was that was solid. But yeah, so back to what I was saying, like the crew that yeah. we ran with, and 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 I never ran with a crew. Like I was I was friends with mm. I was friends with like one person, um, and I was I was kind of like I would talk to everybody, but I didn't. Yeah. I never ever, I never wanted to fit in. Uh, I didn't want to stand out, oh, but I never I never I was I was so against. I was against the cool kids. Uh, mm. I was against the I was against the pretty kids. I was against the goth kids. I thought that everybody was an idiot. Um, but I was the kid that showed up in '94. And you just asked what junior school I went to. I showed up to yeah. Ottawa in 1994, coming from Toronto. Okay. And interesting. Yeah, Torontonians, so, they really okay. I can I, I'm paint the the picture is being painted. And Not so that there's anything wrong with people from Toronto, but oh yeah. yes, there is. I. <laughs> I live here now. I do not like, this is my least favorite of all the cities I've lived in. It's just. Okay. You're in Toronto. It's pretentious. I'm not a fan of pretentious. Yeah, it is. Um, I concur. So, so, so back to, back to, to coming up the, when I, back then, this is going to blow some people's minds right now, but, but trends didn't, they weren't lightning fast. Right. So when I came to Ottawa. It's really hard. People almost forget that that is that, that statement. Yeah. Yeah, because it, like we have amnesia. I swear to God, humans forget 100%. what happened like a year ago, a fucking month ago, for Christ's sake. Oh, yeah. Let alone a decade ago. OK, continue. Yeah. You also said 15 years. It's been more like 25 since we were 25? in high school. Come yeah. on. Oh, you're right. Damn not it. to age us or not I to love- age you. 
<laughs> to age me. Like when we were in high school, I was older than you, but now I think um, you're 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 20 years I'm, younger than me now. Somehow, I'm not sure how that worked out yet. I'm 42, bud. I think you just hit like what is it, 27? Look at you for Christ's sake. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I know. So 27. Yeah, that's right. Till I die. So I showed up in '94, um, <laughs> and I I had the undercut. I had the long yeah. hair on top and the short hair underneath. Um, I. I had the ripped jeans and the the raggedy t-shirt with the with the plaid tied around my waist. Yeah. I might as well have just walked out of Seattle, right? Uh, and that trend hadn't hit Ottawa yet. Okay. So I was the awkward weird outcast that all of the kids at the country school St. Mark yep didn't quite understand. Yep. And I was so you the trend setter. <laughs> uh, I was ridiculed. I was ridiculed for the first um, six, seven months of my high school career. Uh, like, and that's just awful. Oh, kids People are brutal. People are so mean. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The worst these days, but and yeah. not to take anything away from your experience, because that must have been super hard. Well, brand new school, brand new this, brand new that. And, and I didn't go to feeder schools with anybody, so I was the new kid, dressed yep. weird, weird haircut. But I'll tell you this, I came back in... Uh, grade 10 so 95 and corn was like the biggest band going back oh. in 95 yes and oh. all of a sudden i everybody was dressed like me <laughs> and i was like okay so like now what do i do <laughs> But yeah, so You're that, like, damn it, I don't, damn yeah. it, I'm like everyone else. How yeah. do I shift? My, my conformity <laughs> is, has caught up to me, apparently. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I just grew my hair even longer and just fucking got crazier. But yeah, and that's the thing. So, so all through high school, yeah, um, I, my memory of you was, um, it wasn't bad. Like you said, you were an asshole, but like my memory, my memory of you was just um, dedicated. That's really what, that's really what, how I would put it. I remember you being dedicated. Um Mm-hmm. And that could just be me, you know, meshing ideas and, and knowing that you went to the Olympics and sort of parlaying that back and saying, because people don't know how the brain actually works. But that's, as I sit here and talk to you now, my memory of you and, and the energy that I got from you and the memory that I remember remembering was just that you were dedicated, that you were a hard worker. Um, and maybe- I, I resonate with that totally. But I will add something to this conversation because a lot of people... So I I find it fascinating how we have these like imprints of who people are Mm -hmm. and it stays with us. So 25 years later, you sort of think I'm the same person that I was. And, you know, there are elements of me that are the same, but most have most have shifted. But I also find it so interesting in school how difficult it is for people to understand one another we see the surface we see the book and we judge the book by its cover 100 percent of the time in that in that development like when we're teenagers we're just it's like a pecking order we're trying to figure out who the fuck we are and who our gang is and who our people are and, and we're a hormonal mess and we're exactly we we're like trying to appease our parents expectations the world's expectations and figure out who we are and like there's a lot of pressure and um, when I was in grade four, so before I went to St. Mark's, when I was in grade four or five, I actually had a horrendous experience in elementary school with a bully. His name was Anthony DeCristoforo. And he <laughs> was, I know that such an, do you remember that guy? Okay. So he was actually younger than me and bullied me. He beat me up. He ruined my property. We had, my mom was in the principal's office multiple times. 
um, he ended up burning his house down. This the kid was uh, doesn't matter who he was. Doesn't the it mean now is, that back then he was like in love with you? Wasn't that the, isn't that the whole thing? That's what my parents would tell me. Yeah, right. That's what people would say. Oh, he does this because he likes you. Yeah. And I was like, so this is how boys are supposed to treat me when they like me. It was this like disgusting. I understand why they would say something like that. Yeah. But as a kid trying to figure out who you are and what love is and what it was really difficult. So I ended up, um, he sort of established this really deep hatred for me within the school. And I had no friends, zero. In grade four, I had no friends. The girls um, used to go in these huddles at recess and vote me in or out, whether I could play with them or not. It was always out. I would sit beside the school and like on the asphalt by myself. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just like fucking kids, man. That's brutal. That's brutal. Yeah. So then what happened was this in the summer of grade four, I met my best friend for 30 years. Her name was Amber Stratton. You remember Amber? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So Amber, our moms knew each other and she moved to Manatech and she didn't know anyone. So her and I played together every single day that summer. She was in a grade ahead of me, but she had no friends. She didn't know anybody. So we like, and I had no friends. So we became friends and she kind of saved me. So then we went to the same school. She was in grade six and I was in grade five. And in grade five, I established myself as the cool kid because I hung out with the grade sixes. Okay. And that's like a big deal at recess when you're in grade five and you're hanging out with the grade sixes. And I didn't realize that this was happening. Obviously I was just like, friends help me. Like, yay. I want to hang out with you. You're nice to me. We're, you know, we hang out on the weekends. I'm included. I have a, I have people now. So I would like do that. Meanwhile, that whole gang was also very, very mean to me. So the problem happened when Amber went to high school in grade seven and I stayed at St. Leonard's for another year. It was an awful year for me, but Outside of school, I still had my people. So when I was in high school, like at St. Mark's, I was always hanging out with people that were older than me. And therefore, I became like, I was cool for some reason. (laughs) It's so interesting. And on the backside, I had a really intense father who was demanding of me to get perfect grades all the time. Uh, I was getting into sport. I was starting to get really good at freestyle skiing. I was starting to like move up the ranks and I had to maintain a 90 plus average in order to, for my dad to allow me to continue to ski. It was brutal. We didn't have internet. We didn't have correspondence. We didn't have like online anything. So I was like lugging around a thousand pounds of books around the country, around the world. When I was competing for world cup, trying to like get through high school and like barter with my teachers. It was like not what was happening behind the scenes was not the the forward facing image that most people at St. Mark's would remember me for. So I Never thank is. you. I thank you for saying that I was dedicated because I fucking was. I did like I was I was dedicated. I was super disciplined and well most to a people fault. Didn't understand that. Yeah. To, to a, a fault. To a fault Absolutely. for sure. And and you know, and that's, we were talking about how, you know, everybody sort of sees their image and they see this and they see that, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the back to the pecking order too, you know, I, I know kids, I know, and it's not even like, it's, it's, it's even young adults and, and this, 
Well, it's basically the entire illusion that we have to wake up from. Yes. Uh, but but let's talk, let's talk about that a little bit. We will. We'll, we'll get into that yeah, okay. for sure. I mean, this yeah. is this is this is where we're going. This is where we're going. This is, yeah, this won't be the first or last pod. This will be the first. It won't be the last. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, we've got that hard stopping about, you know, anyway. Uh, so what I was going to say was uh, I, I mentioned your stunning good looks and to the wokes out there that will be like, hey, that guy's objectifying her, you know. Um, what I'm referring to is the fact that I, you know, everybody thinks that that somebody's got more, is more, is prettier, is this, is that. Everybody everywhere thinks that, regardless of anything. Mm. Um, and when, when the insecure do their own thinking, they, you know, they think, uh, everybody's got something better than them and nobody, mm. and, and this is where, this is where, you know, you can, you can get yourself into trouble just because if you are insecure, if you are sort of on the, on the weaker end of the spectrum, you can say, Hey, well, you know, this person's got more than me and I hate them because of this. And, and basically what you're saying is like, I hate myself. Uh, mm. and, and nobody gives any, nobody gives any grace to that. So, so there's, there's, what is the old saying? Like resting bitch face or, you know, uh, intimidating energy. One of my favorite memes too is like, um, what does it say? It's like, I'm not intimidating. You're intimidated by me. And, Ooh. and that, yeah, I like that. That's a solid saying because it really comes down to, it really comes down to, how you choose to perceive what you're doing. So you, you know, there, there were people in high school that, that wouldn't have talked to you because you were too good looking because of the people that you hung out with because of, mm-hmm. because of, because of your dedication, because maybe somebody did try to approach you, but you were on a beeline to talk to the science professor because he, he fucked up your shit and you need this because your dad's putting you under so much pressure and the thousand pound yeah. books are making your fucking legs turn into squat machines and fucking mobile oh, masters. That's right. Because of all the books you were carrying around because we didn't have tablets yeah. back then. Right. And the pressure from everything. So you're, you're on the brink, right? You could be on the brink and, and all you would want is like a hug from somebody. And everyone's like terrified to talk to you because of the energy that, that you're putting off with regards to trying to keep up with everything and their own insecurities. Right. We miss out on a lot of opportunities because of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. One of the one of the things that I can honestly say that I'm super thankful for in my upbringing was I was never afraid to talk to anyone, and I, because I had no preconceived notion of who anyone should or shouldn't be, I just knew where I wanted to be. And mm. somebody said, "How to, did you develop that though? Like, do you think that was always inside of you, or did did you come into that somehow?" Uh shit, fuck, solid question. I haven't had to answer that before. Um. I think that it was a defense mechanism Ooh, and I think, I think it, I know it was faulty. Um, but like back then my, my <laughs> false bravado, my confidence, um, had to be strong because I was a fat kid in the nineties and mm-hmm. it was okay to make fun of fat kids. Um, and I honestly think that I think it should still be okay to make fun of fat kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't like the idea of, I don't like the idea of the new term body shaming. Uh, I don't like the idea of abusing somebody to the point of, of insanity, but I also don't like body positivity because body positivity leads to fucking heart attacks, uh, and blocked arteries and the idea that you can eat whatever the fuck you want not do any exercise and, and, and point at people that may point out the fact that you should probably do change your lifestyle just a little bit. Um, so I'm on, it's not that I'm on the fence, 
I, uh, it's the, but the body positivity movement started as a movement that was like, accept who you are now. And like, it was, it's like the work yes to be better and yeah. work to be better. Yes. That's the body. Like yeah. you are innately beautiful and perfect and let's go, let's yeah. fucking fine tune the machine you're living in. Yeah. Best of your ability. And now it has shifted into this, like everybody's equal. And everybody is like, it's okay for you to have unhealthy habits. It's okay for you to cope in these unhealthy ways because you are perfect and beautiful. But you're right. It is causing a massive health decline mentally and physically, honestly, emotionally, mentally, and physically. Yeah. And financially, like all of them. And financially. Yeah. Absolutely. Spiritually. <laughs> yes. And, and so when you look at that, you're like, fuck, that's intentional. Like that's absolutely intentional to keep you to put the woo woo juju into the podcast, to keep you yeah, vibrating lower. Yeah. To keep it, you vibing absolutely. lower. And it's, so, oh, yeah. So for me, like I'll say flat out, I'm like, I'm not going to be attracted to a very fat woman. Um, and people are like, well, that sounds superficial. And, and the answer is that's not superficial. Uh, it's, it's got nothing to do with, with her. And somebody said, well, if it's not superficial, would you be attracted to a very fat woman in the gym? And I thought to myself, yes, yes, I would. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and I thought, okay, so, so I can take that back and, and, and they'd be like, would you date a fat woman? Yes. The answer is yes, I would. And that comes from the fact that if I saw a fat girl at a bar, just ramming nachos into her face, I'd be like, not interested. Right. And that's because of the situation that I'm in, the position that I'm in, that sort of thing. And, and, and people are like, well, who are you to judge? I'm like, I'm not judging her. I'm just saying that I don't need to share my energy with that. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I'm in the mood to sit down and have nachos, you better believe I'm going to sit down and have nachos with her. But am I going to start a life with her? No. And this is where people just want to attack and they want to be brutal. Now, that same girl at the gym sweating her fucking ass off, literally, figuratively and spiritually yep. and pushing every single day on day 20 of me seeing her work her ass off. There's a likelihood that I may approach her. Right. And then when I say this, somebody could say, well, what if she doesn't want you to approach her? I'm like, bitch, this is a fucking hypothetical that you started. Right. So <laughs> like everybody has this attack mode thing that they want to do. So what it's it really so boils down, what it really boils down to is I understand now that I'm not attracted to anything other than energy, which is what I've always mm. been attracted to. So I'm attracted to your dedication for being fat and in the gym and busting your balls and really going after it, that's fucking beautiful. I don't care what you mm -hmm. look like, right? And mm -hmm. the fact that you got yourself into a position where you were so fat that, you know, whatever. And it's the same girl that got off the chair at the bar and went to the gym, right? That's the thing. It's it's all about perception. It's all about, it's all about area. It's all about the passion that you put out when you're doing something. And so I look at that and I say to myself, this is, this is if I trail that back into my life, I can, I can, I can state that the fear, and this is what the, the original question was, how did you come about that? I can state that if I put, if I put on, <coughs> excuse me, if I put on a persona uh, of initial bravado, people would leave me alone. And by grade 10 and 11, they did because it was a consistent facade. Um, and I never let anybody in. I never let anybody in or understand or see who I was or what I was going through or what I was dealing with. I was always just the character of me. Mm. And the character of you 
is the thing that you become. You, for example, the character of you was the dedicated, hardworking person that's going to get to the Olympics and is going to impress her father and is going to do everything for everybody else and forego herself. But she's also going to believe that these are her dreams, the ones that are being implanted into her. That was definitely one version. I'm sure that there were a lot of other people that had different versions of that because they saw me or I imprinted in them in different stages of their own security or insecurity or my own. Like, that's the thing. Like, I know that I was an absolute bitch to a lot of people. I was mean. I bullied. I, I did all of those things. Like, I don't. I can't necessarily pinpoint it to a specific instance like but if someone came up to me and was like yeah you did this to me i wouldn't be surprised um in the posturing of trying to figure out who i was and i'm not justifying that i like am generally in i am high school there are i I know people that are still hung up on on things that happened to them in high school and they still carry the weight of that they still reminisce in the story they still replay the victim of what happened to them in high school so much to the tune that and i think that yeah like i i and i'm in a position where i want to take responsibility for that like i have taken it i am i i know that i was i don't know a dick and that's why when you were saying you were an asshole i was like fucking a rides buddy thank you yeah. for saying that because yeah. it's it 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 takes now on the other side of it i understand myself at such a deeper level that yeah i was going through whatever i was going through and i'm sorry that i treated you that way i am sorry that you had that experience that sucks for you and that was me and i'm sorry for that the end period well, no there, justification there's there's two sides to that um, well there's actually a few things i'm going to add to that yeah, uh, I was a dick because <clears throat> because it's either it's either be eaten. Um, and if I wasn't a dick, if if I demonstrated weakness in the wild jungle that was high school, I would have been <laughs> I would have been eaten alive as a basically as a fat kid that had long hair and and wore tied or fucking plaids. You know, like I, just a grungy kid that had no money. I was poor as hell. I mean, you you remember Manatix? You remember the row of townhouses in Manatix? In the downtown yeah. core, I lived there yeah, for two totally. years, nine, grade nine and ten. So I was. You lived on Main Street. I was the poor kid. Yes. So I had mm. nothing. I had nothing, and and um, you know, but you don't know that. You know, you don't know that until you get to places where people have. So that's where I became a dick, and that's where that's where I developed this personality that I have to have everything, and that being poor, and even in high school and that sort of stuff, like being poor, sort of really altered the way I was. And, and uh, you know, as much as I love my father, um, God rest his soul. He, uh, God, he, um, he was the, like, unlike your dad who was like, do this, do that, make sure this happens. Mm-hmm. My dad, my dad was the polar opposite. Uh, he mm-hmm. was a, he was a bum. So, um, it's funny how like you being a dick because of certain things and me being a dick from two totally different aspects of that, but it yeah. is, it's defense. Uh, yeah, and, you're posturing. You're trying to fit in. Yeah. And and I'll say, too, that you, like, you even hit the nail on the head, like, the, the, the grade sixes back when you were in grade five, you were, you were happy to be part of this and happy for the image that it created. But those girls were treating you like shit. And that was formidable. 
because that's how you then acted. Not because it was who you were, but it was because of what you experienced. Mm-hmm. So, and now I'm the top dog, so I'm allowed to be a fucking dick to you. That's right. And that's like, and then you you have to like grow up and grow out. You you can grow out, or you can just grow up with the same beliefs and keep treating people like dicks, or grow out of it, which is. And and you keep having experiences. And and there's mm-hmm. there's a few things that that sort of struck with me, you know, uh, as I sort of grew into these things. And it's the ideology and the realization that you had to be, you had to be that, you had to be who you were um, for you to overcome these things. Uh, and and I'll share a little story with you. I had an individual yeah. who, uh, in, in my earlier career, I had an individual who um, I was on the cusp of, and I've always been, regardless of anything, I've always been 100% true to my word. Because whether you're mm-hmm. rich or broke or anything, um, you... As a man in this society, the only tangible you possess is your word. And if you break your word on a regular basis or anything like that, you become completely worthless. So I've always, always had the integrity to be true to my word. And people say, well, you can't always be true to your word. So it's it's blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's absolutely bullshit. If I can't be true to my word, I don't give it. I don't give my word if I can't be true to it. Uh, and that's what a lot of people fail to miss on on that sense. Anyway, back to the story. I was working for another coach. I was subbing under another coach like 10 years ago and learning a lot of the craft, learning a, a bunch of stuff and, and gaining great knowledge. Um, and I'd been, this is, this was two or three sub coaches. I'd started developing a following as well. And some people that really liked my style, I had an opportunity to sign uh, three new clients for myself, not for the other coach. And I was in a real conundrum be simply because I was contractually obligated to this coach. And if I took on these three clients as my own, it would be a conflict of interest. And I didn't, mm. <clears throat> I didn't like the idea of that. Mm. So I didn't know what to do. Um, and, and what it was, was this was, this, this was again, back when I got started, but these people, uh, the, the program that they were offered from me, uh, was a, it was a $10,000 program. So I was on the cusp of pulling in $30,000, uh, back in, you know, 2010, that was a decent amount of money. Yeah. And not that it's not right now, but you know, it was different back then. Um, yeah, totally. Groceries were, you know, not a thousand dollars every time you go. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, inflation. So I get this phone call from the guy I was working for at the time and he, and he, I didn't even get a phone call. Actually, I got kicked out of the, the community group. So I sent him a text. I'm like, did I just get fired? And he's like, yes, you did. And I said, really? and I was like, holy shit. And I'm, I'm sitting there with my phone in my hand co- at the very moment contemplating. And he goes, yes, you did. And I didn't even dig into it. I immediately called the other clients and I said, hey, we're good to go. So on the day that I got fired, I pulled in $30,000. And, awesome. uh, and that was a beautiful thing. And I know why I got fired because there was this individual who uh, calls himself a reverend <laughs> and he didn't like my style. Now this man was, um, uh, he, he wanted to be part of the program for the sec- for this, for this coach. He didn't have enough money. So I literally gave him a 90% shaving discount. And the deal was he would work with me instead of the main coach. And then he'd get all the stuff, but he'd work with me. So he finagled 90% off to, to join this program. And I had faith in him. And I said, this guy's a reverend. He's this, he's that he's It's going to be good. And he didn't like my style. So instead of saying any of this stuff, he went and complained to the big, the, 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 the main coach. 
and which subsequently ended up getting me fired. And I knew it was him, and I knew it went down, uh, and I didn't give a shit. Uh, I was thankful because what he did, his actions, earned me my beginning. Because of him, I launched into my, and I never looked back. Never looked back. This is after sub-coaching for uh, quite a few years because I didn't have the guts to do it on my own. Um, flash forward five or six years, seven years, I get a message from this guy and he's like, hey, can we chat? I'm like, sure. Uh, I'll give you a call in about uh, 20 minutes. So I called him and I'm like, I wonder what this is all about. And uh, he tells me uh, the story of how it all went down, which I knew. Like I'd never heard the story, but I was so busy doing my own thing that I didn't care. Yeah. Um, and I knew the story. Like basically what he told me was verbatim of how I saw it play out. And, um, and he said, I, I just, I wanted to tell you that I'm sorry. And he said, I can't really move forward with what I'm doing in my career if I don't make this right for you. And what he actually was saying, those were his choice words, but what he was actually saying is my guilt for knowing that I fucked you is weighing on my consciousness and it's not allowing me to pursue a pure lifestyle. Mm. Right? So yeah. it was at this moment in time that I was like, bro, go with peace. I was like, just, just go ahead, you know? But what he did that day was he gave me a gift. And I realized at that moment in time that every person in my past that I could apologize to for something that I perceived as bad could fuck them up. And what I mean by that is you just said, I, I'm, you just said, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for who I was. Uh, I was learning. I was making mistakes. This is what you just said. And that, mm -hmm. that was you talking about your path. Mm -hmm. The forgiveness that this story should give to you is this. I could have heard him, heard him out and it could have played out differently. My life could have been totally different. He could have ruined my life. There's a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. And then by him calling me seven years later and talking about it and making me relive it, he could have opened the trauma in a weaker person, reopened the trauma. In oh, other words, I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I would have had to relive the trauma of losing my job all for him to feel better about himself. The arrogant reverend prick, right? Mm. This was the gift. It instantly made me understand that every little nuance that I did. And like you said, I can't put a nail. I can't pinpoint it, yeah, but I yeah. know I was a piece of shit. Yeah. It allowed me to forgive me. Mm. for doing that yeah. truthfully doing that and that meant i can't go back to you now if there was somebody that i was a massive pile of shit to and i've said this before on the show i've said it on the show and anyone that's listening to this show i'm going to give you a shout out to this too anyone that alicia fucked over as a kid give her a call shoot her a message talk to her she's willing to apologize right and that's the god's honest truth i'm not going to seek you out and i'm not going to reburden you with anything that i'm going through Mm -hmm. But if I ever wronged you and you want something from me, reach out to me, right? Yeah. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. And that's what I say, because when, when I realized that, that it, it would be selfish of me to hunt you down and say, I'm sorry for what I did. In other words, I need you to see my face, something that you may hate because I need to feel good about how I treated you back when I was broken. Mm. Right. 
And that that was a that was a massive weight off my shoulders. Like I'm not I'm not going to run from anything. I'm going to face everything. I'm going to own everything I ever did. Right? That's not who I am anymore. After 2017, after the major shift, that's not who I am anymore. And every single day, I I, I work myself further and further away from that. But if I ever wronged you, reach out to me. Same goes for Elisa. If Elisa ever wronged you, reach, no, out, reach to, out to me. Reach out to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be good times right there. Reach out to Adam Walton. Yeah, that's and right. <laughs> we'll put together a team. But I mean, and, and so like looking back on it, like you got to have fun with it. You got to look back and go like, fuck, my life was what it was, but it doesn't need to be that anymore. And that's literally up until like, I was a piece of shit up until yesterday, maybe. Somebody listen to this show and go, you know what? I, if I don't need to be a piece of shit, I can stop doing it. I can stop playing that character. I oftentimes wonder, though, if that piece of shit persona that we attach, the label, whatever, the idea of who we are or who we were, or the guilt that we put on someone else as a young person or the whatever that people carry, like we as human beings loop in these bizarre victim loops. Mm -hmm. We, We loop in these things over and over. An interesting story, and I've said this on the show before, is um, the um, there's a gazelle uh, that is drinking by the pond, and a lion sees the gazelle and jumps after and chases it. So the gazelle is running for its fucking life, and the chomps are being licked of this lion running after it and the gazelle gets away so what does the gazelle do it runs away it finds another watering hole it shakes it off and continues to be a gazelle Mm. humans when we have hard life-threatening even or just you know reading a fucking tweet because now tweets are threatening our lives apparently when we have these experiences we don't shake it off. We don't continue to be a human. We carry that shit for 50 years or more and we compact it and we keep adding more layers and lo- layers of this dark shit onto our backs and we assume responsibility and we, we, we make everything about us all of the time and we carry that weight forever. And it's interesting. Like you, we've all heard the stories of people on their deathbeds, what they regret. And it's like holding on to that shit. Mm-hmm. I regret that not yeah. living, just giving all of my energy to my job and not my family. Those, those are r- real people having real experiences telling you the secret to life. Yeah, They're about to die and they're giving you the secret to life. And you know, these things and you continue to do them because you're looping in this narrative of who you are. You've attached meaning to this label, this persona, this personality trait, this gender in 2023 or whatever, like this idea that you have given your identity to, and it's not who you are. That's the whole thing. You can't shake it off because you, most people are conditioned, they're programmed, you're running on a program. And how do you see, how do you get out of your own way? How do you get out of the way of something that you cannot see? It's such a profound question. People are like, oh, I don't get in my own way. And then they're like self-sabotaging. Then they're fucking eating the ice cream on the floor at friggin' midnight. They're like 
doing all of these things that are self-sabotage, but they, so they can't see it. So how do you get out of your fucking way? It's, it's, that's the, that's the question. That's the intuitive awareness question. How do you get out of your own way when you cannot see your own fucking bullshit? And it goes back to like the waking up and what to do. And it just like going on a little rant here because so many people, they, they, they're just looking on the surface. They're looking for the tip. Give me the pill. Give me the, the, you know, the silver bullet show me how, what I can do, the how to content. That's why how to content is like everywhere, how to get thin, how to get rich, how to get whatever. And it's like, if put, you haven't put in the out, work, <laughs> if you haven't figured out that that shit doesn't fucking work, that that's marketing. You, like if you, if you've gone, how many times do you have to go through that loop to be like, Oh, this isn't the way. Well, there, there, there are absolutely no shortcuts. Zero. And that's something that zero. And that's, that, that's something that, that like sucked when you realize it. Um, and it's like, if you look at shortcuts in weight loss, if you it, sure it'll work for a minute, but you're going to put that back on unless you form new patterns. If you look at shortcuts in finance, if yeah. you, if you win the lottery, you're actually in a worse spot than you've ever been in your life because you've just bought this, that, and the other thing. And now you've spent all the money, but now you've got a continuation, like a mortgage that you don't understand how it works because you, you didn't understand what it took to get the money. So you don't have any value for the money. Uh, in, in, in every aspect, in every walk of life, there are no shortcuts. Every single time that you try to take a shortcut, you pay twice. And this is it's so true. And l- let me speak to the weight loss thing. So when I missed the Olympic Games, you probably don't know this. About God me, damn it. But- missed the Olympics. Dreams are shattered. So <laughs> that that talk about opportunity. You know, Olympics was my beeline. Like I had the narrowest vision of anyone that I knew. All I could see was standing on top of every single friggin' time that the national anthem would play on homeroom in the morning at high school. I would picture myself on the top of the Olympic podium. I would cry sometimes. I'd get emotional. I'd be like, I was Canada. So- yes. Yes. Oh my God. So I. And now we have and- no respect for the country. Thank you very yes. much. Let's go there in a second. Yeah. But we, we, um, I, I was just so narrow visioned that when I missed the Olympics, I completely lost my identity. Mm-hmm. I lost who I did not know who I was. If I wasn't an Olympian, who the fuck was I? Mm-hmm. And it was soul crushing. I dropped to rock bottom super fast. I gained 85 pounds in one year. Whoa. I, I re- yeah. I quit skiing. I refused to go to the gym. I was like, I am never doing a squat again. I vowed. I made a vow to never like work out again. I mean, I was like burnt out, screwed up, fucked up, dead, like inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I gained a lot of weight. I was like 240 and I'm five seven. I, I I'd I, like I, to see some pictures. <laughs> yeah. I uh, sure. I, I do. I, I'm not joking. I like okay, so here's the thing. Like you uh, I mean, like your material is great, and I'm sorry to cut you off. But I'm just excited. No, no, yeah, yeah. You know, yes, like you're yeah, talking no. about you're talking about body body positivity in one of your one of your recent posts, and you're like, "This is my body," and all I'm looking at with this is like, "Holy fuck!" She put a lot of effort into editing this video, like, and and these are the things that I actually see when I'm looking at content <laughs> like that. But but you're like, "This is my thigh," and this is my tiger mark, and this is my this, and I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Like because again, in my mind, Olympic athlete doing the body positivity thing. I loved it. I, I loved the confidence that you exude when you do a lot of your work. 
Um, mm. That being said, the, the childhood image was uh, Elisa Curlow. It's the, the Olympic athlete. She went to the Olympics yeah. and she represented everybody that she ever came into contact with. And she had the weight of the world on her shoulders and it was all for everybody. And uh, <laughs> This manatee hero. That's this right. Hero. Yeah. She drives through but, town still to this day with a flag out of the top of her car. Yeah. No, I know that exactly. So when I was like, when I realized, oh fuck, I had a wake up call and I was like, whoa, like what just happened? Because I slid down that spiral real fast and hit Mm -hmm. rock bottom real fast. And I was in a lot of denial about it. But one day I did have a wake up call and I was like, now what the fuck do I do? So I was doing all the things that everyone does about weight loss, eat healthy, eat like eat less, work out more. Then you go crazy. I did. I did Bernstein. I spent like 1800 bucks a month getting injections, B12 injections in my ass, eating like a thousand calories a day. I lost and gained over the course of five years. I lost and gained probably like 700 pounds because I I lost 80 pounds, gained it, lost it, it gained it. Yes. I yo-yoed so hard. And then, and then I had... No, and then another wake up call. <laughs> no, and then <laughs> um, I had another wake up call where I was like, okay, this is not the way. No, this is what everyone says is the way. And now, and I'm doing it and I'm looping. And it's the image shit. of the way. Yeah. It's the image. Yes. What the fuck am I going to do? And that's when I started to change my mind. I had to do a paradigm shift yeah. because it's not about the weight, it's not about your finances. It's not about your relationships. That's where the, that's the distraction of, from who you are. And then even your brain will say, oh, but if you say that, that, you know, anyone can say, well, you know, it's easy for you to say you're skinny, easy for you to say you're rich, easy for you to say no, no, no. And then that's, that's even, we didn't even have to say it. We just play it through our mind and we're like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to do that. It's an immediate justification because you can't take responsibility for your program, for the way that you think, because changing that or lifting the veil or whatever. And then. And that's the interesting thing. Like, I think with COVID, one of the things that COVID did to a lot of people was they didn't see their own program mm-hmm. until it until the program came after them. When it comes after you now and you're affected by it, now you see it. So, like, example people were getting vaccinated and they were talking about vaccine injuries and the, the gaslighting of Canadians when it came to vaccine injury was outrageous. The mandates, all of that stuff. And then I knew people that got a vaccine injury and they were like, Oh, now I get it. I am awake now. This, this is now my fucking problem. I have to deal with it. So they would get, wake up. Do you see what I'm saying? And so the same thing happens with your weight loss, with your, like the paradigm shift for money is such an interesting thing. You said inflation. Yeah. Like earlier inflation, everyone thinks that inflation is normal and that we need inflation for a healthy economy and that 2% inflation every year is normal, but they don't understand what the fuck inflation is. Inflation is, they think that they, that inflation means that, Things are getting more expensive. <laughs> and when you observe this and you're like, no, 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 it's not that. Inflation is our purchasing power getting less. Yeah. Our money is getting less valuable. 
And when you have that paradigm shift and you understand that inflation isn't corporate greed, it's not people charging more, this capitalism and this bullshit, what it is, is that the government is printing money, fiat currency that they don't have. Like literally our governments are inflating the the financial system with money. They're blowing it up. They're making more money available. And the classic rules of economics is things are going to get more expensive and people don't get that. So they just think, oh, inflation. Oh, this is causing inflation. (laughs) I guess I'm going on a lot of. You went on a bit of a tangent there for sure. But I mean, I don't know if your audience because you're you're right in line. Pull it back. No, we're going to pull it back. You're not pulling it back. I'm going to add to it, actually, because my audience is going to love this version of you because I'm going to put this on my show as well. Okay, great. Uh, But this this is this. And to add to that inflation thing, it's actually what you said is a great intro into what inflation is. But the truth of the matter is. All money everywhere is fake. All Every, money everywhere is fake. Is fake. Yes. Yes. And and the fact that we agree to the fiat system, the fiat system, I mean, the dollar used to be gold back dollar, which was there was a, an amount of money that that was a way to to save your time, to store time. So based on something, this dollar was worth a dollar, but that doesn't yeah, exist can anymore. I, can Go can ahead. I sort of tell the story about that? By all means. So in... 1945, I believe, after World War II, they came to an agreement that the American dollar was going to be the world currency. Mm-hmm. It used to be gold. It was gold, gold and silver. People don't remember how money even was created in the first place because because we're not really taught this. We're not taught that money was gold and silver. That's why you see in all the old movies, like the kings carrying around their chest full of gold and what would happen is the more gold you had, it, gold is heavy. Where the fuck are you going to keep all your gold? So they started to have banks where you would go to the bank and you would put your gold in the bank. You didn't have paper money. You would get a bank note. You would basically get an IOU. The bank would say, okay, you have a thousand coins in this bank. And when you want one, come with your paper and we'll just scratch it off and make one. La-. Like that's how they used to do banks. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you just have to like, You'd have to like bury your gold, hide it. You would have to store it in different ways. People didn't have that much money. They'd have little satchels full of coins, right? And you would even know how much was in there based on the weight. Like that's how precise the money was. And so when you have a bank, banks started to evolve, right? And they started to create, you know, like a dollar. A dollar is this coin. This coin represents one dollar, And that's what the U.S. did really, really well. They had a lot of gold in their central banking system, and every dollar was a piece of silver or gold. I think it was a piece of silver. So a silver dollar. That's where you get the silver dollar from Mm -hmm. back when they created. So They were actually made of silver, too, some of them. They were actually made of real silver, and they had the little ribs on the side of the silver because what people would do is they would take the coins and they would slice off just a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then they would collect all the shavings and create more coins, which did actually like sort of create inflation back in the day, too, because you're creating fake money. But people would cheat. Everyone's trying to cheat to get more money out of nothing. But anyways, that's why, like, even the quarter, the Canadian quarter, like, like is ribbed. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but they're not like smooth edges. Anyhow, I, I digress. So 
So in the U.S., they everyone in the world, I can't remember what the agreement was called, but they, they decided that the U.S. was going to be the world currency. So the dollar, instead of exchanging gold, which was heavy and not economic, they decided to use the dollar. So they used the dollar. No. And then in 1970, <clears throat> the gold, that's what the gold standard was. So every dollar that was in circulation, there was a piece of gold or silver that represented that money in the bank. Just like in the olden days, when you mm -hmm. brought your gold in, you got a note. Now the notes just became paper money. That's how paper money was. And it was real money because it was backed by gold. And in 1976, freaking Nixon took the U.S. off the gold standard. There was a bunch of different things happening in the world with the trading and the blah, blah, blah. We don't need to get into that. But what the U.S. did was they had to give like other companies because they were the reserve currency of the world. And when the world wants their gold, they take their gold. And then the banks are like, what the fuck do we do now? We don't have enough gold to represent how many dollars we have. So they took the currency off the gold standard. And since then, the U.S. has printed trillions of dollars and it's backed by nothing. That's right. It's backed by the by the idea an agreement that that's it an agreement it's just on the faith of the people that the money is worth something yeah. and we're doing that here in canada as well our money is not backed by gold our money is being printed like look at what's happening in the government they're printing trillions of dollars and people think oh well we need all these social programs we need to have your i need your help i need you to help me because you fucked me so the government fucked a lot of people so many small businesses went down, so much poverty, so much mental illness. So like the housing crisis is fucking crazy it was here a, in, in it, Canada. It's a war on the middle class is what's going on right it's now. It's a war on the middle class, but people say, no, it's not because they're, they feel safe. It hasn't, they haven't been attacked yet. They haven't felt the pull of it yet. They've seen people, but they're in fucking denial because they're looping in that same they're looping in what they know. I'm fine. I'm safe. I'm fine. I'm safe. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything. But it's not fine because there's so much chaos and you can just see it. Like go downtown Toronto, go downtown Ottawa. Look at the people lying on the street. I've heard about downtown bags. Ottawa. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard about how, how, how it's not what it used to be. Oh my God. Yeah. Elgin street. Like I passed 30 people just like emaciated, sick, drugged, fucking laying on the ground they're just laying on the ground and why is that well the governments want to distract you but one of the main reasons is this immense printing so they're printing money they're printing dollars they're not even printing give... anymore they're just they're just adding it to the this number on the screen <laughs> yeah, sure yeah they're just adding it to the number on the fucking screen yeah, yeah but can you just imagine being like the guy <laughs> That's in the print in the mint, just like fucking printing money nonstop all day. Like, I think it's actually dollars. Like, well, maybe not cash because now we're all of a sudden cashless. Oh my gosh. That's another story. Well, it's a control so, mechanism. Yeah. They, they print all this money to, to, um, cause before here's the thing before, if you wanted social programs, what did you have to do? The governments don't make money. Governments use your money. People forget that when they're paying for stuff, they're you're you're the taxpayer. The nah. taxes pay for the programs. So I disagree 100%. with that. You do? Yeah. Um, I don't think the governments give a shit about money. Uh, I don't think 
I don't think the government's, I think the idea of money uh, as a whole uh, is a very well-told story. Uh, and, and that comes from when you switched off the gold back dollar, which was where we got yeah. accustomed to the dollar, which was where we got accustomed to the paper note, the bank note. Yeah. Uh, and then into fiat, which was absolutely fake bullshit paper. Yeah. Fiat currency yeah. is not, is backed by nothing. It's, it's, and yeah. everyone's on a fiat currency right now. Yes. And they're in the process right now of switching us over to a digital currency. So fiat mm-hmm. currencies is out the door. And we're, we're on this, this, this digital currency now, which is where they're going to be able to sort of do a digital reset, uh, all that sort of stuff. Now, the idea too is all the powers that be and everybody that's kind of running the show, uh, they, they invented the money to keep you and me um, focused on the money because the majority of society will hunt money. They will work their whole lives to make a lot of money and to get safe and to get this and to get that. And this is, this is what they're doing. They're working for some company and uh, you know, they're making their salary and they're doing their best to save their money. Yeah. Um, and they focused their whole life on money. Yeah. They, and now, okay. sorry. And now, um, now people that are in their twilight, they're focused on defending their money because it's, it's going insane. Um, and they're so focused on what? Sorry, I missed defending that. their money. Okay. Right. So they're still focused on money and, and thou shalt not bow to false, to false gods essentially. Yeah. Uh, and that's what money is. And, and so the powers that be invented money because it's it's what we hunt instead of hunting our true purpose and our true self. So when we're distracted with money and all that sort of stuff, then then we worry about, or, or then we we don't have the ability to truly tap into our own divinity. Um, and now that's why I say that the governments don't need your tax dollars because the the, the governments there's no it's not like there there's no running total, there's no there's no running total of of debt. I mean, look at all the fucking money that they're quote unquote sending to Ukraine. Like it's absurd. Um, yeah. uh, it's but that's ab- the thing. That's what's causing inflation that no. people don't understand. It's not causing inflation. <laughs> no, it's no. a tax. Inflation no. is like a tax. Um, so the illusion of fiat currency is about to explode. Yes. And right now they're maximizing the amount of pain that they're causing a lot of people. So there is no taxation. The idea of money, the money that you've got in your bank account, all it does is, is give you, um, a sense of confidence, uh, comfort, this idea that you've achieved something, accomplished something in the third dimension. Um, But you, okay. So just to rewind, you are thinking about money as a frequency because that's where you are along your journey of realization, realizing what reality is. Yes. So, however, most people that I don't want to say live on the surface because that sounds derogatory, but superficially, I don't know how to say that without well, you don't, money. You don't, you, I don't want you to offend your audience, you know, because I mean, I told you before we went on the show, I'm like, I, I live on the fringe, you know, there's a lot of. I live on the fringe. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. No, my audience is, is open to hearing this shit because they see they, and, and they're most of the people that listen to the show are starting to see the world differently yeah. and, and, and don't, you can't really create ideas on your own. You need support and you need to experience things for ideas to flow through you you your mind can't make up a situation on its own it needs to experience things so having these conversations allows for the mind to expand in order to understand reality as it is so i think that people are are totally open to this and that's why like i like i think i'm dedicated for the next fucking forever of my life is to create the paradigm shift from from reality as you see it to reality as it is, 
because people don't any anyways but I even on that note guess. even on that note your your reality is yours my reality is mine yeah totally mine 100 percent. so and so but but i was taught to get rsps to to save my money to buy a house to invest in this way and why is it that most people aren't rich why is that there's a lot of hardworking people out there yeah. why is it that we have so much poverty okay. there is a poor man's mindset and there's a rich man's mindset. You talk to rich people, which is what I've started to do for the first time in my life. Cause I was always intimidated. I didn't want to ask them. They don't do a single fucking thing that I do. No. no. My idea of how to get rich. They're not doing one of those things. No. And I'm like, Oh shit. Well then why the fuck am I doing that? No, the greatest you know, way to because- get, the greatest way to get rich is, is to be in control of your own finances. Basically, Here's one shortcut that it's not even a shortcut. It's just a loophole that people don't even talk about life insurance. Yeah. Life insurance is the best way to get your fucking money. So you insure yourself okay. to the absolute maximum that you can insure yourself to. And that could be a, a, like a whole life term or however you want to do it. Like if you're putting in, um, you know, 800 to a thousand dollars a month in insurance. Yeah. Yeah. You, that becomes your policy and your policy can save, say be up to $4 million. Life insurance, just, I'm just throwing out numbers, a thousand bucks a month, $4 million life insurance policy. And people are like, why would I pay that? I'm dead. I don't care. Well, here's why you pay it because you can borrow against it. So your life insurance policy then gets borrowed against. So if you're paying a thousand dollars a month to your life insurance policy and you want to borrow up to 50% of it, they'll cut you a check for $2 million. And that becomes, are you fucking serious? That becomes, I not know that. that becomes a loan. So it's non-taxable. So right. you're, instead of putting your, your paycheck into the bank, you're putting it into your life insurance policy. And then you borrow against your life insurance policy, and now you've got $2 million free and clear. So these are, there's a lot more to it than I just described, and there's a lot of things, sure. loopholes that you have to jump through and all that sort of stuff to get there. But this is how, this is, this is, this is quantum finance. Like why on, earth, right. why on earth would you borrow 50 grand to buy a car when the borrowing rate is like $20,000 now on 50 grand. So now you're spending $70,000 on a car, right? And 20%, like 20% of that, that, that $20,000 is just going straight to the bank. It's not going to anything else. Yeah. Just the bank, the bank's like, fuck you. We're taking your money, right? This is, this is, this is again, gambling. It's, it's the house, but yeah. now. And the bank takes your money and then gives your money away and they don't actually have the fucking money. But anyways, continue. So, so here's the purpose of all of this. The banks don't give a shit. The government doesn't give a shit. The whole purpose of all of these things is to keep you away from your money, right? They take it only so that you don't have it because if you don't have it, you're going to keep working for it. And if Mm. you keep working for it, you're not going to be able to tap into what you want. So if I just said to you, here's all the money in the world, go do what you want to do. What would you do? 90% of the population would probably do a lot of drugs and die young. They probably travel, have sex, drugs, rock and roll, fucking go for it. Just spend it. Right. So trying to search for happiness. Exactly. And how long, how long until that becomes monotonous and boring? Well, I don't know. It depends on the person I would imagine, but I think I can tell you, I got bored of it. I, I, well, (laughs) so, and and that's not, that's not me having all the money in the world. I'm not sitting here going, I'm fucking loaded. It's just me saying I've never worried about money. So I don't worry that people are like, well, I've only got 200,000 in my savings. I'm like, first of all, why do you have $200,000 in a savings account? Your savings account is when the currency drops is that's the thing. People don't know. They're like, I'm saving. I have, 
I have a hundred thousand dollars in my bank account. And it's like, okay, honestly, like that's a negative return with, 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 it's a, yeah, it's a negative return. return. And when the fiat currency system collapses, whose money are they going to take to bail themselves in? It's your money. Savers will be losers. Well, savers will be losers. And, and, and so that's another thing too. They don't tell you that the banks have the right in in a crisis to take your money. Take it's, your money. It's right in the contract that you sign. Box. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, people are like, oh no, my money's safe and protected. Bullshit. No. And rich people know that. And that's why rich people have no fucking money in their bank. No. You get, uh, there's a meme. I posted it the other day. It's like, give a rich person a thousand dollars. They come back with 10,000. Mm-hmm. Give a poor person a thousand dollars. They come back with an iPhone. Yep. And it's like. Absolutely. We're in this loop. And this goes back to what I was saying, like the programs that we're running in our minds, you, you think you want the thing to make you happy, to make you feel complete, to make you feel loved or important or posture or whatever it is back in friggin' high school. It's the same thing we're doing. We're we're our loops are established then. And we're running on them for 50 years, 60 years where you think that that iPhone is what you need and it's not what you need. And I think that ties into what you're talking about with money and the reality of it. You think it's what you need and it's not. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how much money you have. Is that what you're saying? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, it, it, there's more to it than that. Like, again, the money is, is, is a superficial statement. Like uh, I know, yes. I know, I know I used to think millionaires wore monocles and had like a million dollars in the bank, you know, but that's what I thought too. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's not, it's not, no, <laughs> No, you know, your, your average millionaire. Well, I mean, it's absurd now. Like, like millionaires, everybody's a millionaire depending on, you know, what property they bought when, you know? Right. So, um, you know, now, now it's just a matter of, of having all of your money work for you. You know, it's just a matter of, of creating it's, 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 it's an opportunity for you to become a better version of yourself. So, you know, like you were saying off camera, you've got three streams of income, you know, three jobs type of thing. Uh, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. It's, it, you know, what comes next is, is, you know, what are your investments doing? Uh, you know, what's your crypto doing? What's your, what are your, you know, what are your uh, statements doing? You know, what's the money doing that you've got? You know, are you invested in life insurance? Do you have, you know, um, do you have a house? Do you have this? And there's so many people going like, I'm fucking paycheck to paycheck. I can't afford any of this stuff. Right. It's the amount of pain. 60, 65% of Canadians don't have $400 for an emergency. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. That's where we yeah. are. Yeah. That's where we are. And we're allowing it to be that way. We're, we're, we keep agreeing to push the needle forward. We keep supporting the same systems that are putting us in that fucking hole. And we're convinced that our way is the only way. And that's why we're fighting back and forth. And it's not like, it's such a distraction. It's such bullshit. Yeah. And the purpose too of all of that is to take you away from, from who you are. Uh, Take you away from who you are, being controlled. You will own nothing and you will be happy. Agenda 2030. Ooh. And people are like, no, that will never happen. And it's like, it's happening. It's happening right now, yeah. What's happening. And like, but you are looping in what you know. And you're not not paying attention to what... What's happening so the, in reality? And so, so the powerful piece here is, is, is the comprehension. There was a time in my life where I tried to help people understand this. 
Okay. Uh, um, and I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't try. Do it I don't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't try to wake people up. I don't try to do any of that sort of stuff. Like I'll connect with the lines that are doing stuff, moving and shaking because just by you and I having this conversation, somebody somewhere is going, wait a minute, I'm going to look into some of this stuff, you yeah. know? And that's a huge thing. Like, like here's another one. Like, do you want to buy a new car? Go ahead, but list that car, keep your old one and list that car on Turo or um, uh, any other rideshare program, whatever it is that they're, you know, Uber or Lyft. You yeah. can you can list your car and people can come and rent it, right? So you get a thousand dollars a month, whatever. Just say arbitrarily for your car that pays for your insurance and your car payment. So now you've got a new car and you're not paying anything, right? Right. And, and you've got your old car as as a a get around when your when your new car is being rented, and then you do you do this for a little while, and then you're like, well, if I've got good enough credit and a good enough rating based on the the thing, get another car. So now you've got two nice cars that you really like, and now you're contributing to your image. Because that's what we're doing with all of this money. We contribute to our image and you're saving money. So you're not even spending the money on the car because it's, it's, it's a rental car. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a business it's really write-off. Smart. It's it, smart. Yeah. And you also, you know, com, you know, make yourself a rental company or whatever. You, you organize the business and now you've got two or three cars under the rental company and you're renting them through Turo. So you're not paying anything more than anything because yeah. all you do is register. And now even the payments that come in from Turo are your earnings and the payments for the car are business write-offs because they're, they're part yeah. of your corporation. So now not only are you not worrying about the payments for the car you're, because they're being made, you don't technically have to make those payments in the write-off form. Like you get that money back. So now the car is quote unquote double free. So instead of buying a new car and going massively into debt, you make it a business and you get whatever car you want. And now you're, now you're again, superficial. You can do whatever you want to say, but those cars are making money for you. And you don't, you know, you don't have to do anything. This is, this is the thing and, about. And what, I, what I'm saying too, is like, how does someone come up with these types of concepts without like in their own mind, it won't happen. You need to have conversations like this. Mm -hmm. You need to be around people who are making money. That's why like they, you surround yourself with five people who are sick, fat, tired, and broke. I don't know. I had a podcast with a guy. Last my last show, he was like, I was sick, fat, tired, broke, and miserable. You hang out with people like that, you're gonna be that. Yeah. You hang out with people who are entrepreneurs, you're gonna be an entrepreneur. You hang out, you are the sum of the people that you hang out with. So if you're fat, sick, tired, and broke, and worried, and anxious, and ADHD, and all the things that are fads right now, I don't, I don't mean to discredit that because whatever. But like, if that's who you are, look at the people around you. They're probably the exact fucking same. Yeah. So how do you get out of that? Well, there's a way out. Okay. Um, so I was that, you know, it's funny because we're, we're coming up to the hard stop. We got like 10 minutes left apparently. Okay. Well, we, no, we can keep going. We can keep going. Yeah. Let me just, uh, let me give me one second. Go ahead. I'll tell a story. Oh no, no, no. I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try not to keep some dead air while you're sending your message right there. <laughs> okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. I, I, I think we're keep going. I'm good at, I'm good at not having dead air on the show because when I do my edits for my podcast, I don't want to edit for sound or anything like that. I'm like, I just, I don't yeah. want to edit for time. I don't want to cut anything out. I don't cut anything out. It just all goes up, you know? And, and I know I don't really either. Yeah. So okay, the, cool. good. the, okay. uh, we're good. No more hard stop. All right. So the, what was I talking about? The, um, so how I, yeah, how I got out yeah. of that, how that did five you, friends. How'd you break out? The funny thing is like your, your story was you were super cool in high school. You were that fucking super cool biatch. Right. And then you, 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 uh, you stubbed your toe, missed the Olympics and ate I your way to fucking freedom. Grace. Right. Yeah. So yeah. after high school, you, like you, you fell apart. 
right? Um, after high school for me, uh, I, yeah. I got a lot bigger, um, steroids, whole nine yards, did everything that they told me to do. Uh, you know, the, with regards to society, I got, got in really good shape. Uh, my arrogance went through the roof. Uh, I started bouncing at the clubs in Ottawa. So I was a bouncer at like every club in Ottawa and I ended up sleeping okay. with everybody and doing all the drugs and partying all the time. I got a really good deal in a house back then and I was running uh, three full-time jobs because I still owned the window cleaning company. I don't know if you remember Blue Diamond. Um, I still own the window yeah. cleaning company. Yeah, that was mine. And uh, really? I, wor- I worked for Weedman full-time uh, and I was a bouncer. So basically my, my day was 5.30 in the morning. I was up and on my way to Weedman and then I would go to uh, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I would stop at Weedman and I would start cleaning windows from 2 till around 6 or 7. And then, uh, so probably around seven o'clock, eight o'clock. And then at nine o'clock I was at the bar working till two, 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 about three o'clock in the morning. And that was, uh, Wednesday or that was Thursday. No, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday or no, sorry. Tuesday because Gracie's Tuesday and I started at Gracie's. Mm-hmm. So Gracie's Tuesday, Oh uh, my God. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That was, and I wasn't sleeping. So I was on the cocaine and, <sighs> and I got super skinny because of the drugs and the lack of sleep. And I was like a total fucking mess, but I had this image and I had all kinds of money. I had all the money in the world. Uh, and I, and I just kept partying and doing all the things they told me to do. Um, and, and overcompensating for everything. I had everything. I had everything. And then I parlayed out into sales coaching because I really loved sales because I built my business door to door. And then I sold my business and then I went out and I started doing sales coaching and all that sort of stuff. And then I started making really good money. And then the cocaine went crazier and crazier and crazier. Um, and this went on until about 2016, um, 2017. And I just said, no, enough is enough. So I went through this massive, like I did everything the third dimension told me to do. I partook in the drugs. I partook in the debauchery. I partook in yep. making the money making the investments, doing all this sort of you stuff. You were cool. I was cool. You were cool. I became the cool kid. We're cool. Yeah. yeah. And cool people and, do that stupid, gross shit. Yeah. And but you I don't think it's gross and stupid. You think it's cool. It's cool. And it was fun. It was so much fun. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where like you're in a room with 20 people and everyone's naked and they're all just having the time of their lives. And it's not like a, a actually it just was last weekend. I was at a nudist colony. <laughs> well, okay. So, that's an amazing statement because it's like a totally okay. And, and we'll get into that too, because it's a totally different thing. Like when you're on the drugs, there's a bit of like a sexual tension. Um, yeah, totally. but for me, there was never a sexual tension. Like I was bored of having sex a long time ago, which is such a weird mm-hmm. statement to make, but I'm like, everyone was so easy. Like having sex was easy. It was, e- it was easy to have sex when you were, when, when, I don't know when you were, when the drugs were there or when, when you were in a mindset or whatever it was, it just for that moment in time, it was just super easy. What was brutal. I love that. Can I add something to that? Sure. I want to know what was brutal, but I feel that when you're tight, good looking world cup athlete mm. going, from you're talking about you now, right? Not me. Cause I was never a world cup athlete. No. Me. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> like sex does come. I was manipulating myself and men yeah. all over the world to like, try to, to, actually give me some confidence mm-hmm. yes. in myself. Oh. And I was like manipulating the whole fucking situation, sleeping around. It was gross. I see that now it's gross. Gross. In the moment. Yeah. I like just kept putting myself in that position and I slept with a lot of freaking guys. Yeah. And it never, it's like the money thing. It doesn't, it's not the idea is planted young that this is what 
success looks like, or this yeah. is what you need to be happy and sex is whatever. And so you, so you roll with what you think, you know, and you keep, you stay loyal to it and you yeah. keep repeating it over and over and over and over. And then one day you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. So continue. So we're talking about the, we're talking about an exit strategy too. So it's funny, you know, your perspective, it's the same with mine, right? It's, yeah. you know, I was, I was sleeping with everyone and you think that it's supposed to give you something, but I'll, I, every single time, especially towards the end, like 2015, 2016, I was, I hated myself every morning. Mm. I would wake up and I hated it. I fucking hated it. I hated the drugs. I hated the drinking. I hated the status that I apparently had to maintain. I hated mm. the sleeping around. I hated the conversations in the morning with whoever it was I just slept with. I felt empty everywhere. And that's again, what the drinking and the drugs and the sleeping with, it was, it was designed to, to help me think that I could fill a void that was inside me. Yeah. Um, and then 2017 rolled around and I just said enough is enough. So it was actually November 4th, 2017. And this is, I'd been Ooh, smoking cigarettes that. my whole life. I'd been, I'd been drunk my whole life, uh, a high functioning alcoholic. Um, I achieved everything that I was ever told to achieve. And I fucking hated myself, hated myself. And so mm. when you talk about an exit, you know, I was surrounded by people that I surrounded myself with. I did that. I made those choices. And so yep. when I, when I said I was done, I was done. November 4th, what happened was I said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm fucking, I just gotten back from Ottawa. It was a friend of mine's birthday, a Halloween. So, um, we were the last place I got shit faced was heart and crown Preston. And oh, yeah. So <laughs> been there. Yep. So I got totaled. I got totaled. And, um, November 4th was the, the remnants, like the end of that run was the end of that bender. And I said, I'm going to take 30 days and just do a detox. Cause I just needed to fucking clear my head. And I was so miserable with everything. I didn't know what was coming next or where I was going. I didn't have any plan. Yeah. I didn't have any future. I, I, I had everything that, it, it, what, what the fuck can I possibly do? I did it all. So. Except what? Well. You did it all except. So yeah. This is the this is the growth. This now, is the best part. Right? So I did everything. This is the best part. I did it all. Everything that you could possibly think of, the trips, the this, the that, everything, everything. And I was dead inside. And so thirty days, I said, I'm gonna do a detox and just sort of clear my head and see how I feel. And then my buddy said, you just did 30 days. He goes, I want to do 30 days. I'm like, you know what? I'll do 30 days with you again. So I went from what was supposed to be 30 day detox to a 60 day detox. And by the end of 60 days, I had an entirely different outlook on what? So the alcohol had actually cleared my system. It took, Ooh. it takes 60 days. So the alcohol sometimes longer, but yeah, no, to clear your system, to, to officially clear your system. Like if you have a glass of wine right now, it stays in your body for 60 days. And, it, and, and, you know, one glass of wine may not hurt you, but you know, it, it, there's a compound effect for sure. And people think that like the actual booze stays in your body and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but the, the vibration, the frequency in yes. your liver and your organs, that's what stays. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so I quit that and, um, and then 60 days rolled around and by 30 days I quit smoking and 60 days rolled around. Know. Yeah. So I, I quit everything cold Turkey and I mean everything. Like I just went on this fucking, this, this, let me prove it to myself bender. Mm -hmm. which was um, no more fast women, no more uh, alcohol, no more recreational drugs, no more painkillers, um, no more cigarettes, no more debauchery, 
Uh, no more stupidity and no more time wasting. This is 2007, 17. And I've been sober and I hate the term sober because it implies that I had a problem. Uh, and the implication that you had a problem is a third dimensional statistical societal norm. I didn't have a problem. Yeah. I didn't have a problem. I was doing what I was told to do. I quit because it no longer served me. And that's where I am. Mm -hmm. So now all of these years later, I'm still celibate because there's no point in me. I was back in Ottawa for blues fest this year. And, um, I had a few old friends offer up their bits (laughs) for lack of a better term. And I, you know, I said, no, thank you. You know, (laughs) I don't, I don't want to connect. I mean, I've been, I've gone this long. I'm not going to just waste this. Like for me, the next connection I make with a human, I firmly believe will be not necessarily the one, but certainly a different element. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have gone seven years, six years, and then just go back to my old ways. There's no chance in hell. So okay. I, so, so can I just ask you something about that? Because you and I have a lot of odd parallels in life. I like how it. things big fan, go. big fan, <clears throat> big fan. And Okay. So there's, what were you, okay. So you quit all of these things. You quit all of these toxic habits and behaviors or things that weren't serving you anymore. Cause not all sex is toxic. Not all, um, whatever late nights are toxic. They can be most are, but I'm just, mine were know, being, just, being just putting it out there. Advocate. Mine were. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but you recognize that. Yeah. So you, you quit them. You started noticing your body was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be fucking normal. This is what it feels like to be healthy. You started to probably have more energy. You started to see the world a little different. You probably had less brain fog. You probably like whatever, whatever the symptom, the superficial symptom was. But what happened in those years to keep you dedicated? What? Because you can. And I ask this question because. Many people do these detoxes, they do these journeys, these weight loss journeys, and then when it's over, they're like, okay, cool, I'm going back into my default setting and I'm just going to live my life the way I used to do with this new brain, and then it just slowly goes back to the way it was. And I say that because I did that yo-yo thing with like, I want to know what shifted for you. Like, side note. I was kind of in the same boat when it comes to relationships. And I ended up doing a three-year man talks where I, like, it was a detox. I like saying the detox. The detox. No D, only V. Only V. (laughs) Only my V. Um, So You should have seen my D drawer. (laughs) It's true. Um, And in that time, I didn't waste my time maybe wasting time's the wrong thing. I, I wasn't caught up in the past. I didn't focus on what was and, and I focused on healing and lifting my own vibration. Did you do that? Like, were you also doing that? Like, how did you do that? So two things, um, along with the fat girl picture of you, the two forty version of you, I want a picture of your D drawer as well. So, um, <laughs> how did I do it? Uh, so to I, every single person that I've ever met on this journey, this enlightenment journey, this awareness journey, this awakening journey, um, every single healer, I'm going to use the term because it's a great term. Um, yeah. every single healer I've ever met yourself included, um, 
walked through hell. Uh, whether it was self-induced, whether it was uh, in your imagination, whether it was anything, whether it was something that you did to yourself or something that somebody did to you. Yeah. Every single healer today that I know has gone through the gates of hell, has gone through something that was fucking disastrously traumatic. Yep. And, and even a lot of the healers that I know aren't aware that other healers have gone through that and they keep their story to themselves, but they can know that it takes that pain to get to where you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I read a post not too long ago where he says, well, not all, you know, not all healers have to come through hell. I mean, there's a way to sort of get there organically without going through hell. Like the slow drip approach. I'm like, maybe there is, and maybe there is, you know, but maybe there isn't. And, and I'm, I'm not going to, I don't know why people have to always fucking argue and play the devil's advocate to anything that's ever been said to them. Uh, I yeah. think, I think that comes from their parents. I think that their parents, most parents are argumentative, no matter what you say, they're going to say, well, yeah, but, uh, and if you change yeah, yeah but to yeah, and you yes, no longer and. deduce. Yeah. Yes. And that takes yes, away and. from the power of yeah, but cause yeah, but negates everything you just fucking said. Yes. And is a con- contribution to what people have said. It takes the yes. argumentative tone out of it. So. Somebody says something like, yes, and this, not, yeah, but, yeah, but now the person's just like, well, fuck, fuck you. Anyway. Yeah. But what you just said makes me feel uncomfortable. So I have to change the subject and justify my own actions. But imagine saying yes. And what you've just said has triggered me in a certain light. You see how you and I, you and I just said the exact same thing, but it's no longer combative. So no, but what I'm saying, like, sorry, what, and what I'm saying is like, people just say, yeah, but because they have dissonance. Yeah. There's a, there's in their mind, they're uncomfortable. They don't like sitting in the discomfort. So they justify it with their yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but whatever. So uh, audibly, <laughs> when you change that to yes, and you're going to get a better reaction from the individual oh you're speaking God. with. It's a very awesome tool. It's actually, a, it's a subtle one for sure. That was a bit of a side note. Um, yeah. Side note. So, so the pain, the pain is what woke me up. So you said to me what happened afterwards. Well, one of my, like my two drugs of choice were cocaine and uh, Percocet. I loved both like religiously. And as an Olympic athlete, I'm sure you're familiar. An Olympic athlete who didn't make the Olympics. I'm sure. Thanks for keep rubbing the salt. I know. We're fucking, we're working, we're working through it. I have to go meditate for an hour. That's right. Me too. (laughs) After after what you told me. Um, The Percocet were, they were a godsend, these fucking things. And they also. See, I, I didn't do that. No? I was like, I, because we had were drug tested. I was on a Effexor, an antidepressant, anti-anxiety, super high level, mm-hmm. but I did not take Percocet. But we Jesus. can talk about that later if you Effexor. want. But continue. I haven't heard I, that in forever. I was on Effexor. Um, yeah. Did uh, the, you gain a thousand pounds? That's one of the reasons I gained 80 fucking pounds in a year. Uh, I was already fat when I started it. So I don't know. Okay. That was like high school. Like the doctor gave me like this, this sample thing and. Uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like the way it made me feel. I didn't no like shit. it at all. You get immediately addicted. If you don't take it at like seven, whenever you start, I, I think mine was like 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. If I didn't take it exactly at that time, I was fucked for the whole day. And I've had conversations because I talk about this. It's a brutal drug. Yeah. And I like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving you medical advice, but that shit was fucked. And, and people say, well, antidepressants aren't addictive. Okay, fine. They were for me. I had withdrawal symptoms. Withdrawal symptoms to me means that if I don't take this, I'm going to suffer, which means I'm addicted to it. Yeah. I can't not take it. 
Addiction's fucked. Addiction's fucked in that sense too. Um, yeah, because people's idea of what it is is all different, and they yeah. justify it, and they argue, and they fight, and that's the thing. Like, sure, it was your parents. I just want to go back to what you said. Yeah. Maybe it is your parents being argumentative. Maybe it's the world that is constantly at war. Maybe it's constantly divided. The highway. There's like this. Everyone's at war with one another, and it's getting that's worse intentional and worse, as well, especially here in Canada. But I want to go back to what you're saying because it's really intentional of course yeah the war is intentional if we're fighting each other we're not paying attention to who's shaking the cage so the the, so what happened to me was uh after i gave up all of those drugs um Mm -hmm. i immediately started feeling the effects of sciatica so i don't know if you ever had sciatica uh kind of i have false sciatica that sounds terrible i broke my neck in a really bad ski accident and i have like a impinged nerve that makes me feel like I have sciatica, but I don't. That's a side side story. But so I understand it, what it feels like. It's really shitty. It's so, fucking painful. So my sciatica was um, my left hip down to my, the tips of my toes. And then on those really fun occasional moments, it would go from my left hip down to my toes and up to my skull. Um, yeah. And it awesome. felt like lightning. And sometimes when it was really, really at its absolute worst, it felt like somebody stuck a Rambo blade inside my hip and just kept twisting. Ah, so not nice. Um, this, you know, what would have rectified the pain is Percocet. Um, I gave up Percocet. <laughs> so Ouch. I quit everything. And what about Advil? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm laughing because yeah, no, for sure. Like, what about Tylenol? Why yeah. do you take a thousand Tylenols? You yeah. know, Tylenol is the most deadliest thing ever. I, well, I, I never did. I never, I was like, no man, uh, I'm yeah. not, I'm not doing, I'm not doing pharmaceuticals. <laughs> Fuck. I was dumb. And, and I, I laugh at this stuff. I laugh at this stuff now because again, it's my origin story. It, this is the pain and, yeah. the, and the chaos and, and all the dumb shit that I did to myself. And, and, and this is the stuff that, that, fuels my passion to be a better version of me today every single day Mm. so the sciatica lasted for a fucking year Uh, i lost basically all of 2017 like i was bedridden for a whole year and i didn't tell anyone so not only was i i had given up drugs and given up everything uh, i i was forced into reclusion so the idea of maybe meeting up with some friends and maybe dabbling with, you know, going out and staying sober and all that sort of shit wasn't even an option for me. So mm-hmm. I dealt with sciatica for a full year and I remember, I remember everything. I remember finally saying to the doctor, I need Percocet after a year of not doing it. And he said, he said, I'm not supposed to give those to you because they're addictive. And I said, doc, I'm going to shoot straight with you. Uh, I did a ton of cocaine. I did copious amounts. I did way too much cocaine and I ate Percocet like they were fucking Pez. I said, I know the dangers of Percocet and I know that of all the drugs that you could give me, this would help. So I took home and he said, he said, well, what do you want to do about that? I said, well, I said, here's what I know. I can't do a lot of it, so don't give me a refill in case I decide that I'm really addicted to these things again. He said, okay. And I said, and don't give me a 60-pill dope. I said, give me a 30-pill, and I will talk to you at the end of 30 pills and shoot straight with you as to how I feel. And you'll be able to read me and know if I'm lying or whatever. I said, you'll be able to see the addict if he comes out. And he goes, good call. 
So we went with a, a script for 30 pills. And this was another moment in time that allowed me to forgive myself for my Percocet addiction. Because my Percocet addiction, when I say I was on Percocets, was I would take one or two pills and just, that was it. I'd take one or two pills and, and be drinking, right? The, the prescription pill, <laughs> the prescription, the recommended dosage was take two every four to six hours, depending on how you feel, maximum of 10 a day. I'm like, if people are eating 10 Percocets a day based on the doctor's recommendation, of course you're going to get massively addicted. So mm. that blew my mind. I'm like, fuck, my recreational use was laughable compared to people that were using it for you know medicinal purposes. So I was like, that was like a a a, a give up for me. Um, and I so didn't. Did you pick them? Yes. Yeah. And and did you? What happened? Uh, the pain went away. So did you just take them like two a day for four times? Like, did you take them as a recommendation or just as you wanted? So. There was a moment in time in my, in the, in the, in the, I guess the, the sciatica pain system wave where I was at war with the pain and I was fucking stubborn because I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep my fucking word. Um, but there was also a point in time where I didn't have the pills and I was laying on the bed and this is really fucked up. I'd been in pain for about seven days straight, like excruciating pain. And I, I was on, I was on my bed. I was crying from the pain and I fucking prayed to God. I, I, my last ditch effort. I'm like, God, man, Mm -hmm. you and I have never really chatted before. Like seriously, like we've, we've bumped up with you. What's going on? How you doing? Hey, Hey, what's up? Jesus. We ain't never talked, Bo. We ain't never talked. I said, I'm at, I'm at my wits end. I'm fucking dying over here, Charlie. I'm fucking dying. You got to do something for me. I go, just, just anything. I said, just give me, just give me a day. Just one day. Just one day of no pain. God. Please. Please. God. For the love of God, God. Yeah. One day. And, and, and then I, I went on my merry way. So for the rest of the day, I carried on and, and I was just dying. And then I woke up the next day completely pain-free and it was fucking wild. It was wild. And then I woke up the next day right back to where I was. So say what you will about God. Uh, I'm not a religious man. I am very much a vibrational individual. Uh, I'm very much, yeah. You know, new age, whatever it is, however you want to say, because they've, they've, they've demonized new age and they've called it witchcraft and all that sort of stuff. But I firmly believe in. Oh, really? Yeah. New agers. So am I a witch then? Well, yeah, absolutely. You are. Well, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) here's my magic wand. (laughs) Exactly. Well, it's, you know, you're broadcasting right now. So you're, you know, you're (laughs) casting as we speak. Mm. So, um, I have an affinity for a creator. I have an affinity for, um, a higher power. Uh, I, I have an understanding I believe that it might be me or you, or I think that we're all, I think, I think that we're all one really, mm-hmm. but, um, and, and I can go into great detail on that, but that's a whole other show. So it says two kids that met in Catholic high school, 
Yeah, oh, fuck. <laughs> so my dad lied to get me in there. You know, my other option was South Carlton, right? We went to oh, South Carlton. God. I came out of Toronto and we did the school tour and South Carlton was first and St. Mark was second. And, and, and I was <laughs> so out. You're not a Catholic? No, fuck no. <laughs> so, um. Lied. I love it. Yeah. So when, when I got to, when I got to South, I, mean, I don't know if you've ever been inside South Carlton, but the, I'm like six foot one. And the, the ceilings were so low. I had to duck through like oh, hallways. Shit, I have been in there. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's yes. weird. And it was dark. And there, there was like one of those lights like blinking off in the distance. Like you see in like a horror movie. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and there were tractors. People, kids drove their tractors to school. There was a lawn fucking mower parked in the, I'm like, I can't go to this school. I can't go to this school. I'm like, I'm coming from Toronto. I can't go to a tractor parked school. <laughs> Uh, and so, so we went to St. Mark. I'm like, this school is stunning. But at the time you had to be a hardcore Catholic. So yeah. my dad lied and then, um, signed off on this other stuff. And then, and then, well, he's a hardcore Catholic then. He, well, he made up, yeah, he made up his, uh, he made up my, my sponsors and then signed for them as well and did the whole thing. I don't know how he anyway, yeah. pulled some strings and next thing I know I'm in God school. So, and Catholicism to me, and I'll state this boldly and not, and unapologetically Catholicism. Yeah. And I studied all the religions cause I'm fascinated by them. Um, yeah. but Catholicism to me is as close to Satanism as you can come. Uh, really? I think that, I think that Catholicism and the way they operate and teach is very satanic. Uh, I also think the Pope is a Satanist. Um, and I think the Vatican mm-hmm. is all, uh, it's, it's basically all Satanism. Um, you know, you're bowing at the altar of the reptilians as well. Uh, it's kind of mm. fucking ridiculous, right? So, so, so you really are a witch. Well, I, well, wouldn't I be a warlock? You know, you're oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry to the warlock. transgenders around here. I, I could be a witch. Oh, <laughs> sure about it. Sure. Why not? Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to battle these labels. Um, I'm so, am I a witch? I'm a transmuter. Uh, I can take anyone's pain and turn it back and hand it back to them. Um, I uh, want, okay. So. I'm going to write that down because I'm going to talk about that. But I want you to go back because you said, think about God, however you want to see it. And we went down that tangent. I want to finish that story because it's really profound. You woke up, you had pain. You woke up, you had no pain. You woke up the next day, you had pain. God answered my prayer. mm -hmm. In other words, like the only time in my entire life where I legitimately, with passionate tears in my eyes, reached out to God. He gave me one day, which is all I asked for. I'm like, should have asked for more. <laughs> and a million dollars. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that worked out so well last time. I'm hoping to get a bump this time. So, uh, so yeah. So again, um, that worked. And now uh, I've got the, I've got the Percocets. I haven't taken them there. They're a safety net for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the God thing, I took one of the Percocets and that's when I saw the, the, the recommended daily dosage. And that freed me from my prison of being afraid of Percocets. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I can see that. Mm-hmm. So Percocets as a recreational drug, never again. Um, Percocets as a intentional pain reducer, potentially. Um, but I would probably tend more towards a CBD in today's day and age. Um, I don't would, need- you, would you lean into habit changes? stretching yoga like anything else for sciatica like chiropractic work would you lean into today actual, like struck yeah structural yes. support yeah okay yeah. um and, 
because the doctors don't really tell you that either. They're like, oh, you have pain. Here's the script. Yeah. Well, that's, they're drug dealers. They're drug dealers. Yeah. They don't talk about the lifestyle choices that we are looping in thinking we're fine or we're the victim of this pain. You're not a victim of the pain. Doesn't Amber have a yoga studio in Ottawa? Yeah. Pure yoga, Ottawa. It's like friggin' the bomb. Isn't that crazy? I I don't know how, but I mean, sometimes Facebook just shows me stuff and I've seen that. I've seen that she's got a yoga studio. So good for her. Yeah. She has a Pilates studio, a yoga studio. She has a restaurant. She has a a clothing store. She has a bar. She is crushing life. And you guys are still besties? Uh, Yeah. Well, we're, yeah. She's life goes on, but yeah, she employs me because I, uh, my social media company works with some of her places. Awesome. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yes, today I would, I would definitely go yoga route, but back then I was, I was the only time I was ever in the gym at this point was, well, I I wasn't in the gym. I'd given up the gym probably seven years prior and seven years away from something. You're a different person. I had no interest mm. in the gym. It was, it was mm. foolish and stupid. Uh, I, because you know, I'd hurt myself a few times in the past and at the gym too, I was ego lifting back when I was a kid. Cause I wanted, I was on roids and I wanted to get bigger and I wanted none of that. So it was all yeah. egoic that I was at the gym. I'm yeah. at the gym now five days a week, regardless, simply because it's the healthiest thing in the entire world and the best thing in the world for you to do. So now if I ever got sad, I had to come full circle though. You've had to understand that the way you learned about the gym is not the way the gym is. And the gym now is something different. I also have a, um, a disconnect with the gym as well. Uh, okay. we're not supposed to go to the fucking gym. Bottom line. <laughs> um, you know, the lifting that you do, um, it's, it's all stupid. Like we're supposed to be out we're supposed to be constantly running and moving and forging. Yeah, we're, su- totally. we're, su- we're supposed to be utilizing our body the same way that your, your gazelle would in the story earlier. Right. Right. But right. we don't. So now we do static motions where, yeah, I've got big arms and I've got, you know, great legs and this, that, and the other thing, but you know. Can you, are you functional? Are these functional patterns? And the answer is they're not. So if you try to do something functional, like if you try to use your strength to fucking push a car down the road, you'll blow your back out because it's like, you've never used those muscles. So (laughs) I am combination. Yeah. I am moderately at war with the gym, but that's because we live in a society where we're supposed to be at the gym. Like we're, we live in a society where, where we sit all the time. We don't really do anything. We don't. There's no yeah. more foraging. There's no more anything. We're going to have to get back to that too. If the prices keep going up, we're going to get back out into the forest and pick some berries and shit. But Hey, why do you think I have such a big garden? We have two acres of land. I'm freaking foraging the shit out of it. I'm doing, learning all the shit. I love all that too. Unfortunately, I'm in the city right now until I can Ugh. sell this place. And when yeah. I do sell, I'm getting the hell out. Um, I don't even know if yeah, it's we're like- going to like get chickens and shit. We have a five-year plan. Cause like, I, I, like I, Yeah inflation well it's not even it's not even that it's just everything that's in the grocery store is trying to kill you so it it you know it's it's madness (laughs) and (laughs) and if if you sit back and like you know to anyone listening to this that's that's never even thought of these things like these two are fucking idiots but no they they they, they're not listening anymore yeah they're like tuned out long time ago (laughs) yeah and so this is this is all part of the journey so like back to the sciatica i had i went in and i got eastern medicine um, mm-hmm. I had acupuncture. There's a guy, oh, good. yeah, what's, what's amazing too, you know, in hindsight is this, I went to a sports medicine place and I got acupuncture and I said, my sciatica is here. This is the pain. And she started putting fucking shit in my hands and my, this and my, that. And she's like, this is where you're going to need to fucking blah, 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 blah. and yeah, the hip bones connected to the eye bone. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Right. Right. And so I was like, this is awkward and annoying. And I said, so how often do I have to come back? Cause I did feel a little bit better when she was done. And she goes, well, we recommend, you know, at least, uh, at least twice a month. 
or no, sorry, it was twice a week, twice a week, come back twice a week. And I was like, okay, I guess there was 80 bucks a pop, right? No insurance over here at the time. And I was like, uh, eh, what else? So I went and uh, I talked to my buddy who knew about ancient Chinese medicines. He goes, no, you got to go find an old Chinaman. And he was yeah. pretty blunt about it. And I'm like, okay. So I, I started sort of like Googling more uh, natural um, uh, acupuncture. And ironically, the acupuncturist that is geographically closest to my house was this like super old Chinese guy that was like dealing with the ways of the past and this, that, and the other thing. And the, the sports acupuncturist, the needles were like, like this long, whatever. Right. Yeah. This guys were like, yeah. they were huge. <laughs> so he, 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 I lay down, I tell him what's going on. I lay down, he runs the needles like down from my hip, down out my foot. Um, and it was excruciating pain. He took those needles and he touched the nerve with those needles, the sciatic nerve. Oh yeah. And then he, and then he like oh, set them on fire. Nerve. Yeah. yeah. He set them on fire, so he heated the needles up. Yeah. And then he left the room. Sorry, he didn't set them on fire. He put the heat lamp on, which was heating right. yeah. heating up the, heating the, thing. the yeah, needles yeah, yeah. yeah, into my into my body. <laughs> and then he left the room. And uh, he, what he felt like I felt what felt like he was gone forever was probably only like 10, 15 minutes. But I uh Did you find God? Uh, oh man. I, uh, when he pulled everything out and then he gave me like a, a half an hour sort of additional massage. Um, and he said, you're good. I, and so, so I sort of stood up and I was hesitant and sort of quietly moving and not really in much pain. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I'm like, when, when should I come back for the next treatment? And he goes, never, you're done. And I was like, okay. And sort of, I inched my way up to the front and I was sort of moving my leg and sort of checking things out. And I was in no pain, none. And it was absolutely wild. So after a year of hanging off my seat here, I'm like, were you in pain or not? Like none. So I'm standing at the counter and I'm paying the girl and it was a gorgeous day. And again, this guy was geographically close to my place. So like I, I just walked home because I could walk and I remember crying. I remember, I remember walking out of there and crying tears of joy because again, I'm not in any pain and I'm moving around and I've still got, I've still got, you know, 10, 10 or 12 Percocets left because I was using them at night to try to get some sort of sleep because at the yeah. same time, you're not getting any sleep with, with sciatica. It's keeping you totally. awake. Yeah. So that was, I mean, I feel like I've talked along a million miles about that story, but, but that was it. So between God, uh, pharmaceutical and ancient Chinese medicine, uh, I kicked sciatica well don't you think it's interesting because there is a paradigm shift in there as well around so many people just do the channels that they think that they're supposed to do and then they just like someone somewhere recommends some fucked up thing and they just go and try it. it's fucked up to them that's too woo woo like some people yeah. think chinese medicine men are woo woo i had one his name was sunny in vancouver he like was amazing he would give me this like little brown bag of like some sort of pills and he'd be like take these i'm like how often? What do I do? Like, it's not a prescription. He's just like, I take them. I'm like, okay. That um, was heroin. And- <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I feel great. But, but, <laughs> however, like, we poo-poo these ideas, and then we try them, and we're like, oh. Yeah. 
oh, this is ancient. This is how the body works. This is how to heal. This is what healing is. This is root cause medicine that that tackles the root, not the symptom. Mm -hmm. And then you start to think, oh, and you start to question things <laughs> in a different way. That's how like critical thinking, you can't think critically when you're in the subconscious automated loop that you've been in. You can't, you have to break out of that subconscious loop. And sometimes it takes a Chinese medicine man to do that, to, to make you wonder, oh, what else am I missing here? What other lies, quote unquote, have I been told? And I'm not saying that the medical community is all lies. I'll say it. Because <laughs> yeah. there are some extremely wonderful life-saving treatments in, especially with like um, child's birth, uh, with in infection. Like if you got <laughs> an infection 300 years ago, you were dead. If you had diarrhea 300 years ago, you were dead. <laughs> oh, got the squirts. Damn it. It's over for me. Oh my God. So it's true though. Oh yeah. And, and so, you know, for me, like that was sort of like a, the, the, the it was a continuous journey. And you, you asked mm -hmm. earlier about yo-yo dieting and yo-yo this, that, and the other thing, like, how do you stay true to it? Um, my experiences only allow me to move forward. There, there is no moving back because I've always said to myself and, and at the same time, um, I drank heavily cause I was escaping. Um, yeah. and now I don't like the idea of being a non drinker. I don't like the idea of limiting myself. I have no interest. And in my life, I'll probably never get shit faced again because it's ridiculous, but I do enjoy the taste of some alcohols or the, the idea of what mixing this and that could do. So I'll dabble with a, with a taste here, a sniffer there. I also like alcohol and the way it looks. So I collect booze. Like you should see my alcohol collection. It's pretty That's fascinating. Cool. Um, drugs. I'll never do cocaine again recreationally, but if I'm in Colombia and somebody hands me a Rambo blade with a bunch of cocaine on it, I'm probably going to try it because I'm in Colombia and that's where it fucking comes from. <laughs> like, I'm not going to say when no to it. Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> let's just see what happens. Holy fuck. Like I'm down. I'm not going to say no. Um, and, and well, you have boundaries, you have healthy boundaries. You have, you've established your knowing you are becoming the master of yourself. You're becoming the CEO of your health. You are your own sovereign person. You, yeah. you have taken experiences and you're creating. And the thing is like people limits, hard limits can be very limiting. If you will, yeah. like, damn it. Yeah, I know. Right there in the title. And we need to have it. We need to have those for periods of time for us to establish who we are and heal ourselves and then, you know, move forward because otherwise you're going to be living in fear in the what ifs in the what, like that is be that, that that's like university degree. Mm -hmm. When, when you're thinking about healing and the journey of healing, like grade one is like, Oh shit. The acupuncture person did something like grade one is where you, ha you everyone has to start even kindergarten there. Everyone has to be a baby at some point in their journey. And that might look like, uh, I don't want to take this antidepressant anymore. It's just one choice of like questioning. What am I doing? Am I sick, sick, fat, whatever, uh, exhausted, giving my power away all the time, tolerating the bullshit all the time. Like, always exhausted running with my chick, like a chicken with my head cut off. 
Am I that person? That's grade one. Yeah. When you're, when you're at the point where you understand that you can have cocaine off of a Rambo blade in Colombia, that's like, that's, that's not doing cocaine. That's having an experience. <laughs> that is a deep understanding of who you are and it's yeah. years in the making that is going through hell. That's going through hell yeah. and coming out the other side with knowledge. That's not coping with your shit for five years and keeping the same narrative. That's not being single or celibate or not drinking for five years with the same narrative looping all the time. I am useless. I am unworthy. I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be happy. You had that feeling. You had, you had it. You said, I am doing everything and I am not happy. You said that how many people listening have said that almost everybody, I guarantee you 90% of the people in the world in North America are in a position where they're like, why am I exhausted? I'm doing all the things. Why can't I lose weight? And it's that victim, right? Like, why? Why me? Why is do I always do this? Why is this always happening? This is the loop. And then so they start to do some sort of practice, but they keep the same narrative. They yeah. go for the walk with the same narrative. They, they do the diet with the same narrative. I'm never going to be enough. And they do all these things. You went through that and you grew. You, you, you took what you were observing as you were observing it and made adjustments. You didn't stay loyal to the same fucking narrative. No. And so many people do. They were abused. They were used. They were fucked. They were you know, had shitty experiences in high school. Some people like, you know, maybe had a bad experience with a teacher, with a neighbor in a car accident, whatever it was, that seed that was planted that day, they're going to be carrying the weight of that fucking shit their whole life because it just loops. So like to get to the point where you have a healthy boundary with an abuser that you can see someone who broke your fucking heart and not need revenge and, (laughs) and, and see a boss who mistreated you and not have to say he's an asshole to get to that point. You have to, you have to go through the shit and learn as you go to see the ex-boyfriend who you've been thinking about every fucking day. Why didn't he choose me? I can't believe he cheated on me. The same story forever. You can't get through that until what? Until you until you break the loop and you start to create a new narrative. And that's what you did. Well, the easiest so, the not the easiest, but one of the one of the ways to to break the loop is to interject yeah. new new information. And you're exactly. talking you're talking about the boyfriend that that rejected you. That's you at a weak state maintaining your weakness. And one yes. of the, one of the most amazing oh, I like that. Yeah, one of the most amazing things in the entire world is is we identify with who we think we are. So if you're weak, you need to be a victim. You need to talk to people about being a victim. You need to take the power that you totally. feel you're getting from them by demonstrating victimhood. But it's weakness yes. and it's annoying. And I don't care how fucking good looking or whatever you are, if you're a victim constantly in your mind, you are playing yourself out of every possible future. Now, and society is rewarding the victim signaling right now. Oh god, yeah. Is at yeah. an all-time high. It's like, okay, and you know what? I find myself doing it too. I'm like, oh, 
poor me. What was me? We're having trouble like getting pregnant right now. Mm-hmm. I'm having fertility ACUs. And I just like, sometimes I just want a victim signal and get people to tell me who I am so that I feel better about my life and whatever. But like, then I have to take pause. I'm like, oh, there's, there's that little girl who is hurt, who had this idea of who she's supposed to be and is, and is staying loyal to that narrative. How can I support her and show up for her? And and then I, then I'm good. But when that, you were, those are skills that I've developed for a long time. When you were younger, um, I remember, I remember, um, apparently I don't remember cause it's not in my head right now. I remember they, the, so the precursor to COVID in my mind, um, the way that they did COVID was there was a, there was a thing that went on. I don't know if it took place in Canada cause I'm not a female, but I remember watching it take place. And I, I know it took place in the States where there was this HPV vaccine. Yep. That they had to give people, but only certain people could have it. And then some more people could have it. And then everybody could have it. And then it was fucking mandatory. And you I never had it. You, it wasn't mandatory. So in the States, I remember in, oh, the, in the States. States. Always, okay. So I don't know if it was in yeah. Canada. So I'm saying again, I wasn't a female no. at the time. So the but mandatory was, was, was like, no, thanks. <laughs> well, so I remember the HPV vaccine and I remember saying now that they've made this manage, like you can't get into schools without the HPV vaccine. I remember being like, this is going to be a huge huge population oh, control shit. thing right and then shortly after that there was a movie called children of men that came out which is nobody was being born on earth anymore so i look at this sort of stuff and and i say there's so many people right now that are having trouble conceiving and what people don't understand is that like you know for the majority of your youth you were probably on birth control right yeah 17 years so, yeah so you were chemically castrating yourself for 17 years and you're wondering why yeah. your bits don't work anymore yeah right and they're saying well no this it's is safe. it's safe and effective yeah of course right because everything it doesn't cause infertility. If you look at the grand scheme of everything that we're doing, it literally all boils down to population control. So I'm not sure. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Let's go down that route. Let's what, whatever. Fuck it. We're going to Joe Rogan the shit out of this podcast. We're on two hours now. Almost. Let, let's go straight off through the morn. Uh, it's a good thing. I have <laughs> nothing to do on Mondays and I have tons to do, but yeah, no, I'll, yeah, I'll stay on this. I just postponed my meeting by three hours. So there you go. Perfect. I got three more hours. <laughs> we can do it. Um, but yeah, so it, so it all comes down to population control, uh, literally everything. And, and we don't tie in the certain things like, I mean, the vaccine, the COVID vaccine was, was like to the point right now where if you upload this on, on Spotify, there's going to be a warning because we you said the word something? COVID. Ooh, fuck. Okay. Every single podcast episode that has that warning did better. Yeah. Because yeah. people want to hear my opinion about COVID now. They yeah. want to know what I'm saying about it. So the warning actually has reversed itself. In fact, they don't actually do it as much anymore on Spotify. Have you noticed that on yours? Like I haven't, I haven't got looked. a warning. I talk about it almost every episode and now they don't do it anymore. I think they've like canceled that. Yeah. Well, and, and this was the thing too, because you know, everyone wants to sort of, I, I want to say something quickly, but to get yeah. back to what you were talking about before oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. the boyfriend and the oh. this and the that, um, yeah. the, the, the switch, the chain that you can break out of the pattern is everything is happening for you, not to you. Yes. And you know, if you, if you can't have your own kids and you guys finally, you know, succumb to, to that reality, Mm-hmm. then I bet you you're going to have, you're, you're probably going to be the best adoptive mother in the world to a child in need. That's probably yes. a road that you'll go down, you know? Um, and that, 
and and in doing so you then create a lifestyle for this other life and this other entity you know i don't know if i'll ever have kids myself um and i i, I never really wanted them but i all my friends started having kids and you know i became an honorary uncle to a lot of them mm, that's nice and i really like that and they love me and mm. and you know mm-hmm. that sort of stuff and i am a true uncle to my niece Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that is a really cool thing. I love the relationship with her and I love watching her grow and be a human and have the experiences and make, start making her mind up and start changing stuff. And, uh, it's fascinating to, to, to just sort of watch her intertwine and it puts you back in that position in that spot of a kid. You get to relive life through, through her eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and to me that shit's fascinating. So will I have kids? Maybe. Um, but, but to enjoy the, the youth for what they are and for, for uh, like, like they're just beginning, you know, and, and, and you realize that everybody's a sponge. And even as a kid, even when you watch them absorb information and, and the ability to do things, you realize that you never learn, you never stop that. There are people who get to a point where they feel that they know everything and they don't need to learn anything else. And those people are usually aggressive and miserable. They're very insecure. Yeah. And, and, and they, yes, Another thing that I, I look at this journey as is sort of like a lineage journey. Um, there yeah. is uh, there's a story of the nines and and it's nine go rounds in this reality. Um, and very you know very young. I, have you ever had your astro astro reading? You, uh, do you know what, what number regard? you are? Uh, I don't know. I'm I know that I'm a projector four six. Yes. Um, so, so you, there are people that, that'll do like a full astrological reading of you and they'll give you a number, um, or oh, okay. like so no, I don't from the Akashic records. Okay. So, so the story ah, goes, the Akashic records, I just started learning about this. This yeah. is amazing. So, so you, 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 you go through your life and you go through your journey and, um, like, um, you, your journey is your family's lineage. So yeah. the idea being your, uh, your you're a continuation of your mother's life. And if you had a brother, he would be from your father. Okay. And, and that's kind of how it goes. If you've got two daughters, it's a convergence, that sort of thing. Uh, and it's, it's usually the eldest. That is the, um, the lineage line. And the youngest would be the split off. Um, there's a lot of stuff to it. And a lot so of I'm stuff. The split off. I have an older sister. Did you, did you ever meet my sister? Yasha? Did you, do you know my brother? Yan? Uh, no. You were no, the only one that I knew. The only Curry okay. Lowitz that ever stuck yeah, in my head okay. was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Three of us. Well, there you go. Mingling the halls of St. Mark's. Anyways. Yeah, so continue. So now that you have, um, uh, you're the middle? Younger brother, I'm Yan? Middle. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so you're either, um, and I don't know, and I'm going to butcher it, so I'm not even going to give it credit, but um, the story is you're, you're the lineage. You're the, you're the, uh, the result of your mother and of your grandmother, but you're all of them. Uh, you're, you're also, I, I think that they say that you're also your sister. So you see sort of how it goes or what it is. Does she have any kids? Yes. Are uh, they, she has one girl. Is, okay. So I don't know. I don't know the, how that, how that applies. I think. Is what you're saying? I need to go get a reading. <laughs> Oh, you should. I need to yeah. go get an astronaut. No, they're, they're fascinating. I had a woman do mine for me uh, and she charged like $350 and she did this reading and it took a while and she mailed me 
this booklet. Like she put together this fucking booklet and it was legendary. I said, you did all of this for $300. And she says, or 333 because symbolic. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it, it just blew me away. And I said to her, like, I could pass you off to a lot of people. And she goes, I'm not really interested. Uh, and I said, honestly, you should also charge more. Don't double it. Cause 666 is a bit awkward, but, uh, you could easily charge $450, $500 for what you're doing. Uh, and people will pay it because it's so yeah. good. Um, cool. I love that. So like yeah, human design stuff. I like human design. I like Ayurveda. I like a lot of like the Ayurveda is not really astrological, but it's definitely like the elements working with the elements of the earth and stuff. And all of, all of that it's all part of like so i i see all of this stuff people think it's woo woo and it's stupid and they think like they don't resonate with it and that's fine you don't have to but that's the progress of like if you want to look at i like metaphors if you want to look at like your evolution or your journey this this stuff falls in like the grade you're still in elementary school like this is elementary school, learning being able to hear someone's opinion and discern for yourself to be able to see that it's not the only way people operate in the world. And I said this on a, a previous podcast, just like traveling. It's another really good way to see like, oh shit, cultures are very different. Yeah. People don't operate the same as me. My way is not the only way. It's my program. It's how yeah. I've learned to do this shit. So I find it really interesting. Like all of that, you, I want to, I, I, I don't mean to like, end this storyline but i definitely want to get into the god situation because we started talking about god and then we stopped and i'm really interested to know sort of because you said you spoke to god and god took away your pain do you what is your relationship with god i'll get into that in a second and uh, okay. to f finalize the nines if yeah, you oh yeah, yeah, yeah if you don't have kids there's a high likelihood that you're at the end of your lineage and what that hey, means is so I never have to come back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <I'm> done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's the thing. So like you, you get to experience yourself through your kids. You get to experience yourself through your mother. Like you can look at yourself through your mother's eyes, through your mm -hmm. grandmother's eyes, right? You, you get to see yourself and, and you are all of them. You're, you exist in that. The you isn't just you. It's the, the entire lineage of your family. And it's, it's, it's a nines. It's, it, it runs the nines and the nines is quantum creation. So when you That's get, cool. when you get, uh, assigned your number or whatever, when, when the Akashic records lady sees your number and you can do it a few times and you'll basically always get the same number, but, um, you know, you can take these things and you can parlay them into your story. You can do whatever you want. You can, you can add them into your creation. But, uh, yeah, if you don't have kids, then, then, uh, there's a high likelihood that you're a nine and you're, you're, you're functioning towards it right now. Um, and when you understand quantum creation, um, there's so much that goes into it. Like, like right now I hit a certain mark in my, in my creator's ability where I can actually manifest like the weirdest things. And I mm. do, I just do it because it's like, it's a consistency thing. You just keep going. You probably also in your mastery of yourself and in your moving through discomfort and challenges and challenging yourself and getting those wins, which you don't think are actually wins in the, t in the moment you are now able to really observe opportunity because it, it's all around you it's opportunity yeah. for growth opportunity yeah like opportunity to make more money like money is everywhere and people are broke and starving but it's everywhere and but you can see the opportunity because you've gone through it you don't have 
you know, like um, I was saying, how do you get out of your own way of something that you can't see? You you've made the invisible visible in mm. your own way. And so you can move around these obstacles much quicker, much easier. And that's what the work is. Everyone knows always like, what is the fucking work? The work is moving through your own discomfort and seeing the world from a different lens, learning, yeah. being the student of your life and, and becoming the CEO of your fucking life instead of having everyone else tell you. It's like the employee mindset versus the entrepreneurial mindset. Like if you're an employee your whole life and you decide, I want to start a business, what are you going to do? You're going to probably go out there and try and get the best building with the coolest office space and spend all this fucking money to start up your first ever place because you think that this is what people want. This is what will bring the best employees. This is what a, a, this is what a, a, a business is supposed to look like. When you grow up as an entrepreneur, you don't waste your money on that shit. You fucking build it out of your garage. You're you're putting in the work as yourself. You're 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 literally learning all the systems and then hiring. <laughs> like it's a totally a different mentality, a different yeah. mindset. But you don't know that in the moment. You only know what it's like to be an employee and have the experience as an employee. So you're trying to create that for your employees. You, you have know to what I yeah. Mean? Like, you have to you have to live and win your way through your failures to figure out what you got to be doing. Yeah. Exactly. So then then that's why like so many people's businesses don't survive because they're out there spending a gazillion dollars on a startup with shit that they don't fucking need. They're paying they're paying attention to the stuff that doesn't matter. Right. Because we want to we always focus on the stuff we think matters, but it doesn't. Which brings me back to a huge point that I wanted to say earlier. Yeah. Uh, with regards to your coaching and my coaching, my light actually just came on. So you might lose the visual representation of me, but you'll, you'll still have my voice. Okay. Okay. Um, the, uh, the, uh, I totally just lost my train of thought. Shit. What were we talking about again? <laughs> um, we were, we were talking about being the CEO of your life and how you like the entrepreneur versus the, the employee mindset where you have to move through that shit. Did yeah. you getting it? Is no. It coming back? It, it, Damn ju- it. Okay, it well- just dropped off because we were talking about God. Oh, we were, no, this is what it was. Uh, you People are more inclined to invest in their appearance than they are in their mind. And your coaching and my coaching and that style, that that's information that people will gain. If people want to succeed, if people want to achieve certain things, they're going to get it from, from new information, from new experiences. I want to show you the, the top. I, I want to show you the top. The first question I was going to ask you today. So, we didn't go so, there three, so an hour, so two and a half hours in, let's get to the first question. What was it? It was why is supporting and healing the mind the last place people look? That was the first thing I wanted to ask you. Oh, it's a, that's, a, that's a phenomenal question because, and it's, it's, it's a, it's peculiar that that's the case, but it is, it is. Um, it's, it's all of our programming, everything that you've ever seen on television, everything that was ever mm-hmm. put out was, was all superficial. Drive this car, do this, do that, you know? Mm-hmm. The American um, dream. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so like my perfect avatar is, is the American dream. It's the person that has the white picket fence, the two, two car garage, the three and a half kids, you know, the beautiful wife they had everything that they were ever offered and they were miserable. Like that's, that's everyone. That's so many people that, that have come to that realization. Uh, and that's such a beautiful avatar to, to, to work with people who are like, fuck, I want more. I want more of life. It's not for everybody, but it's for, it's for a certain amount of people. And we talked earlier about how you break out of that. 
and mm-hmm. and how you break out of out of the five people that you surround yourself with. And then we we went on, we went on the sciatica tangent. Oh yeah. Um. Thank God. Then we're gonna go back to God. We're going so back to God. Out? So, so when when I like again when I was forced out, like I was forced out, and that's mm-hmm. when I replaced uh, the monotony of like a Netflix or whatever. Like when I'm sort of doing nothing, I, I switched it up for audiobooks. So I'd always been interested in audiobooks and doing certain things. And one book leads to, leads to another, leads to another. And you've got obviously the how to's and the, and the, uh, Joey Vitale's and all that sort of stuff. And you can do, um, uh, all of these thoughts on how to sort of reprogram your mind, your body or this, that, and the other thing. But then you can start getting into the other ones like the, uh, the Jed McKenna's, the Eckhart Tolle's, the Alan Watts, um, the real philosophers out there. Uh, and these guys, once you start getting into a philosophy of certain things, you change the way you view everything. So mm. you replace your five friends with mentors, with mentors, with good podcasts, with audiobooks, with people doing things that you want to do. And you just mm. listen and listen and listen and absorb until you decide that you're going to take action on yourself. You're either going to hire a coach uh, who's going to work with you one-on-one and get you to where you're going. And every major athlete in the world has a coach, right? And they have varying coaches, you know? A beginning skater is not going to hire Wayne Gretzky to teach him how to skate. They're going to they're going to have a bunch of coaches. They're going to learn a bunch of stuff. They're going to grow themselves, and then when they want to become an elite goal scorer, that's when they hire Wayne Gretzky. You know, that's these coaches out there are are here to help people, and and you know, we live in an oversaturated net, uh, nature, and people are like a lot of coaches, a lot of really good coaches, the best coaches I know, doubt themselves because they're like, there's so many coaches out there. Like, is my profession even a legitimate thing? Like, you know, am I doing this right? And no, 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 yeah. Every single fly-by-night coach that I've ever met, um, you can spot them right away because they're just trying to be gimmicky, uh, and they fade, and they burn out, and they're gone. Uh, the real coaches, myself included, I can all count myself as a real coach here because why not? Uh, I've been doing it for I've been doing it for years between sales You're coaching a real and this coaching. Coach. Exactly. Um, I I want my clients to to sort of get results, and and sometimes sort that of. takes a year, and sometimes that takes two years, three years, but every single one of my coaches, my clients have always gotten results. Yeah, And everyone that's in therapy that I know is still in therapy. People aren't done yeah. with therapy. A coach's result is to get, is to get you finished. So if you can't afford coaching to anyone listening to this, if you can't afford coaching, you can't afford audiobooks. You can't afford free podcasts. You can't afford finding the things that you want to do. It's a simple Google search. You can dig yourself in. How do you mm-hmm. get yourself out of the rut? Honestly, you simply try. You spot that you're in a rut. You spot that you need more for yourself and you, go along the path that it takes to get to where you need to be. And that, and that's, you know, one of the, one of the greatest gifts that, that anyone can give is just a simple mindset shift to, I'm going to start filling my head with great ideas. And then when your brain starts yes. extrapolating, you can start being like, Oh, if I do this and this and this, and the next thing you know, you're fine. Next thing you know, you've, you've got a, uh, you know, an income over here and an income over here and an income over here. And now you're no longer worried about money. And now you're able to focus on creation. You're able to focus on this, that, and the other thing. You're able to focus on becoming. And that's mm. something that a lot of people don't do. They want, they don't become. And if you want something, you have to become the person that's ready to receive it. And once you. And, and, sorry, I'm cutting you off. Go ahead, please. I was just going to say, and they, there's a difference between. Okay. So I think this is like the difference between therapy and coaching because therapy talk therapy it's really helpful for a lot of people to like get shit off their chest and talk about it I, i'm not poo-pooing it at all i did it for a lot of years and talking and learning and knowledge will only take you 
so far Mm -hmm. because knowledge is not knowing knowledge is almost the enemy of knowing it makes you think that you're different because you know things but you don't have a knowing inside of you and the knowing is built through doing it's like i've said i've used this metaphor before i can read all the books in the world on how to swim i can be i have a university degree in swimming but if i've never gone in the water if someone pushes me in the deep end what's going to happen like you 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 are you going to sink or are you going to swim or are you going to panic or are you gonna, like you have to go through the motions of the no, of the of the knowledge and i think that's what you're saying in in that it's like coaches give you the tools to go through to do the shit (laughs) not talk about it not learn about it and talk about and learn about it but to do that to go and get out there so that's why you're you can spot the gimmicky people who are just trying to teach you they're not trying to show you and make you do it (laughs) yeah 100 percent. it's really like it's a it's a really cool game when you meet someone who has a knowing who has gone through it on the other side and can talk about it and show you like you can say the steps all you want you can do the how-to content that's why how-to contents are like how to do it but if you're not doing it then you don't know yeah if you know the steps great good for you a plus that means shit mm-hmm. you have to do the steps yeah. and then talk to me about it because your outlook is going to be way different if you actually do the thing and 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 you said knowledge is is the enemy of of um knowing and that there was there was an interesting thing there too um a lot of people will find knowledge to be grand um yes. prime example i used to love jeopardy because it was like knowing little fun little facts but then you realize that that's all just indoctrination and it's all a continuation of the schooling system which isn't <laughs> teaching you how to fucking learn or do anything it's just teaching you how to right. memorize the story they want you to believe and feel important for having that knowledge. Right. It gives you a sense of superiority against others. Now, the problem with that knowledge is it limits you for absolutely everything else. Mm. When you know something, you stop looking at it. And that shit is ridiculous because every single thing in your entire life needs to be revisited. Every single, I'll tell you this right now to the entire audience, everything that you think you know is a fucking lie. And yes. that you shit. You know nothing. You, exactly. And that shit is. And so, and so when I say that, the people listening are like, Hey, fuck this guy. What does he think? He's, he, so, so if I don't have the answers, he's got all the answers. It's like, no man, that ain't it at all. I don't have any fucking answers either. All I can say is I have the ability to ask bigger questions and I have the ability to understand that I know nothing and that I want to know more. I want to know what's yes. going on. And that's why when you see something, you're like, huh? Yeah. Like I see, I see varying people. Like you'll, you'll read the tweet. Okay. And you'll be like, fuck you. Or uh, person A will be like, fuck you. You don't know shit. And then they write back and they get mad and they get angry. Okay. And they often use straw men where they attack the writer as opposed to the point. Totally. Like stop being such a sheep, whatever it is. Like you fucking idiot. You're an idiot, whatever. Like you have to attack. And that attack makes them feel superior because of what they know. They, what they think they know, the knowledge that's in their mind, what that, they're looping in. That stuff used okay. to bother me as a, as a sort of a public figure, like as a poster, like when people would chirp, I actually turned my comments off um, yeah, good. on my post. And, and what I mean by that is like, if you're not following me, you don't have the right to comment. 
Oh. And and so if you follow me, you can comment all you want. But if you're not following me, you can't just show up and drop your shit on my profile. Because there are people that read some of my stuff, some of my posts, and they're like, yeah, this really helped. Right. But if they read the post and then they see something negative in the comments, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to reassociate with the negativity. So I turn <laughs> I, I turn that off. I turn commenting off. Your posts are so good, though. I you still turn commenting off, or has that evolved? Have you evolved out of that? Commenting, yeah. If you're not following me, you can't comment. Um, okay. And so only th- if you're following. Yeah. Okay. So the only people that can cool. comment on my posts are people that are actually following me, as opposed to not. And that's probably something that's hindered my growth as well, because the algorithm doesn't like that I'm not doing that sort of stuff. But well, whatever. I also, I also, I'll take time to go through some of the comments and be like. If you're going to like post an ad in my comment for whatever, like a generic woo woo juju. Oh, I'm gone. Um, the, uh, and that's my cartoon face. Look at my visage. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, that's funny. This thing hasn't died in forever. So this is probably the longest podcast I've been on in gotta be four years. Good times. times. Well, I want to finish this point because I want to talk about God and then we should probably wrap it up. Okay. Um, I, uh, Lost my train of thought again. I know. Well, the picture showed up and now we were, we were like, that was, we need a, we need a, yeah. Well, anyone that's, anyone that's following along, you know, we're, we're probably going to get back into it later because my brain keeps cycling back to things. So you wanted to talk about God. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I want to talk about God. So what's, I want to talk, I want to, you know, I know this is a me interview, but I want to ask you a couple questions too. Yeah. So what do you want to know about God? About my take on God? Well, I just like, as a person who grew up believing in God mm-hmm. as a Catholic, as a person who's baptized, did all the things, went to Catholic school all the way through and through, I I find, and someone who's observing sort of on the political spectrum, the left-leaning people or the, the, the left is kind of getting pushed more and more left here, they're really anti-God. They villainize God. They hate God. They've separated from God, all of these things. And the right-leaning people are all about God and God, in God we trust. And there's this really interesting, to me, I find it really interesting how we manipulate our programming around God and what God is. And like my breaking the loop of being a Catholic was... If God is all forgiving, then why is there a hell? I was just asking myself these questions when I was like a kid in high school. I'm like, this is weird. If God, if my God is the only God, why is there like Allah? Like what, what's Muslim? What's Hindu? What's Jewish? Like what, how, how come there's so many religions? Like, also, I didn't understand if God, that. if God died for your sins and then was resurrected a few days later, he's kind of gaslighting you guys. <laughs> Like he didn't. It, That's a good point. Too. Like he didn't stay dead. He only died yes. for a minute, you know. And then he came back and yes. like left the tomb. Yes. Um. And also, so why was he a white dude in Israel? You know, like uh, come on, you know. Uh. I mean, I mean, and, and yeah. And if everyone was Jewish in the Promised Land and all that, like why? Why are we Catholic now? Like why are we so against? What's Protestant? Like why do we fight and kill people in the name of our religion? Like there was a lot of questions that came up as I sort of evolved out of organized religion and understand the indoctrination of the mind and how religion is like arguably one of the most powerful ideologies of all time, because we believe. And so 
because we believe so strongly that we will kill for it, that we will sacrifice children for it, that we, we will. We don't believe that. Do, do all of those things. Well, I now I started to question all of that. So for like God, is God saving me? Is God like if I pray to God, is God the one who is saving me or is it me? It's, Am I God? That, been, that's like the evolution of my questioning around God. It's been you um, all along. It's been me all along. So my, can, yeah. my take on this whole thing is, is I believe that we are having an experience and I believe that we are all one. In other words, my experience is not complete unless I talk to you. Therefore you are part of my experience. You exist in an absolute necessity for me to have a grand experience. Mm, that's cool. Imagine watching your favorite movie. Do you have a movie in mind? Avatar. Have it. That's your favorite movie. I don't know. You said a movie. In I, mind. I put you it on the spot came. for sure. Like what do you got? You got avatar, right? <laughs> So Avatar one. So who's an avatar? Sigourney Weaver's an avatar, right? Yeah. And so imagine Sigourney Weaver is the star of Avatar, just like you're the star of your life. And now take out the supporting cast of Avatar and just leave Sigourney Weaver. It's a much different movie. Yeah. It's a shitty movie and nobody would watch it. Sigourney Weaver and a bunch of fucking beautiful scenery. Garbage. Mm -hmm. Who the fuck's she talking to? Where are all these people? Yeah. It's bullshit. Now here comes the story of your life. Imagine you go out for dinner and there's nobody working at the restaurant because they don't exist. Yeah. You can't go out for dinner. You can't drive a car. You can't meet your husband. You can't go to the nudist colony, which I want to talk about as well. <laughs> um, you can't compare yourself. You can't be fat. You can't be thin. You can't be blonde. You can't be smart. You can't be anything. Without them, they complete Ooh. you. So when I, when I talk about God, I talk about this, all of this, mm -hmm. and it's not just people because I'm sitting here talking to you on a world-class microphone and you've got a world-class Yeti. And you know, we, we had this conversation about how things work and without technology, you can't get better. And when we want to get better, we're like, these are the things that I, I feel I need to get better. Yeah. Therefore, no matter how much money you make, right? No matter what car you drive, there's always a Lambo or there's always two Lambos <laughs> or there's always something that's got your eye because there's always something more. So every single thing that exists in this reality exists for you to aspire to acquire. And by aspire to acquire, I mean the ideology. You have to become the person who has this thing. Like why do why, it's not so much why do good things happen to bad people. Wait, is that right? I don't know. It's yeah. that works too. Why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, yeah. same thing. Well, both. Good why do good things, things happen? Yeah, why do all the pricks I know have all the fun? Right. Um, <laughs> why do fuckers? Well, why do jet skis exist? If God didn't want me riding jet skis, He wouldn't have fucking made them, right? So, and then they'll say things like, "Well, why does God let bad things happen to 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 great people? You know, why does God kill kids? Why does this? Why does that?" Mm -hmm. And 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 it's like. You know, why does God allow the war in Ukraine to happen? I'm like, I think the media created the war in Ukraine. So mm -hmm. I look at all these things and, and war in and of itself is population control. Birth control is population control. Everything comes down to population control. So this battle of good versus evil, if God is all powerful, all seeing, all, all great, why can't he just kill the devil? You know? And then, you know, you, you see all these stories. So it's a really good question. So 
if we kill the devil, then how on earth would you ever grow? How on earth would you ever have an experience? If everything was euphorically perfect, you would have nothing to compare anything to. I heard this once in 1994 and it was off Beavis and Butthead. You've got to have stuff that sucks to have stuff that's cool. Mm-hmm. And that is flat out the way it is. So does God exist? He is not a man in the clouds with a beard looking down on you while you pleasure yourself with your drawer full of D. That is not what your God is up to. Judging me. Exactly. Don't put that there. Don't put that there. Get that thing out of that hole. What the hell are you doing? You mm-hmm. are a satanist. Um, <laughs> he can't hate you. You know? God doesn't yeah. hate figs. No, the whole thing about this, that, and the other thing, everybody wants to be a victim and they want to bastardize themselves and they want to believe in something bigger than themselves because if they go to church and if they give their money to the charity and then they're doing their part, God doesn't give a fuck about money. You give a fuck about money and you think that by you giving your money to God, right, you're going to do something. No, all you're doing is funding child diddlers. So 100%. 100%, yeah. right? Yeah. Look at back in 1992 when Shania, uh, Sinead O'Connor ripped up the picture of the Pope. How we all had a controversial view. Oh my God, how dare she? Right? Meanwhile, they'd been diddling kids in Ireland for years and it was all over the news, yet North America didn't know about it. So they put her on there and she's a notorious combative individual. And then that's what she does. That's her, that's her demonstration. And it was legit live TV back in the day. You know, so there was nothing they could do about it. So this is one of those things that goes down the annals of history. Every single Catholic Pope, and this goes for basically like all aspects of things that we put above us. They exist for us to see them, to understand them, and to make ourselves a better version of ourselves through them. I thank the Catholicism for what it is. I thank thank Christianity for what it is. I thank all of the things that exist for what they are because they allow me to be me by contrast. So the one thing that exists the most in this world, actually the only thing that exists in this world, the only thing that you can be 100% sure of is that you are conscious. In other words, I don't even know that you're conscious. So I know that I'm conscious. So what's the one fact that I know for sure when you, when you remove legitimately every possibility, it's that I'm conscious. And from that consciousness, I've created everything else. I've created everything that needed to be created for me to become who I needed to become. I needed to see the terrible things that went, okay, here's another prime example. Do you remember fucking staying up stupid late back in the nineties? And for what, and for whatever reason you'd get those really, actually, no, it was staying up late, gave you the ridiculous commercials where it was like the compilation CDs. And it was always like Enigma that was on. (laughs) It's like, buy the CD. But first thing in the morning, like Saturday morning cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons would end at like 1130. Then fat ass Sally Struthers would show up on the TV and be like, give your money to starving African kids. Right. Do you remember Sally Struthers saying donate to the African kids? And then it was Sarah McLaughlin and was singing in the background. And so all this shit's going on. And this is, this is America waltzing over to Africa with their own views and being like, look at this fucking kid. He's got flies in his face. Give us money. Yeah. Right. It's like these kids, they're living the dream. They're out there foraging. They're living in the forest. They're hunting wild boars. They're having the time of their lives. 
but we think they're super poor because they don't have a fucking Starbucks. So we reach into our self-righteous wallets and send them a dollar because we need to feel good about our fucking gluttony. Right? But this is just madness. And it's the same with, with the, the Yulin Dog Festival. People don't want to talk about that anymore, but all of North America was up in arms because over in China they would eat dogs because dogs ran rampant on the streets and there was too many of them. I don't know if you remember the Yulin Dog Festival. Well, this is like a moment in time no. where they, they collect all the dogs, the street dogs, and then they eat them and they have a giant street festival. Interesting. And that's terrible by North American standards. And then people are like, well, it's not so much that, but it's like how they kill the dogs. Like it's just so brutal the way that they kill the dogs. I'm like murder in any capacity is brutal, right? All of America, they wanted to sign this petition to stop the Yulin Dog Festival because all of a sudden North America became aware of it because North America showed its citizens the Yulin Dog Festival. Meanwhile, these same people that are going to shit all over the Yulin Dog Festival are going to do it while eating a hamburger. And there are way more Indian people than there are North Americans. Like the population of India is huge compared to the population of North America. And yes, all of those people are like the cow is sacred and holy. How dare you eat our deity? Right? So we don't give a shit about what India thinks, but we are fucking signing petitions about what the Chinese are doing with regards to the dogs in their own town. Right? This it's, is, it, yeah. this is our arrogance as a society. Now it's our indoctrination as a society as well. It is like a really, those are very good examples of our loops yeah. And you could also call a narrative or a loop your bias. It's your bias. It's like um, they um, for the dolphins, like save the dolphins from all the fish nets and stuff like that. You know, like there are petitions going down about saving the dolphins. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, I love dolphins. Don't get me wrong. Dolphins are great. They're, they're mammals. They're smart. They're, we need them. And what about all the tuna yeah. caught in the nets? Like, what about all the other things? Like, why do we have this hierarchy of animals and who's, who can be saved and who shouldn't be saved? And how did we come up with those ideas? Like you didn't, you weren't born with those ideas. Someone told you those and you agreed yeah. that that was the way it is. And that's, this might just be coming full circle to the end. It's like, those ideas that were impregnated into you as a kid repeated over and over. Cause that's how we learn and create belief systems is through repetition. Why do you think the media is constantly saying the same fucking tagline until you start saying it? And you think that it's your idea and your belief when it wasn't, it was theirs. They said it so many times you started to believe it. That's why you've agreed every single word in the English language. You didn't know what that was when you were born. You learned it through repetition. Mama, Dada ball, you know, you're learning these things over and over again. And then you believe that that's what that is. Well, I love how your first three words were mom, dad, and balls. Balls. <laughs> balls. <laughs> Perfect. But, but like a Chinese person wouldn't call a ball a ball. They'll call it whatever they have attached the word, the symbol or whatever it is yeah. for a ball. And that's how they were indoctrinated. So everyone's fucking different. And until you can see that you will, you will, you will, I'm going to just be bold and say, you will never grow. Yeah, that's right. You will always stay the same. You will stay looping in the same narratives and your life will be hard in the same ways. And you will always wonder why me? And you will fall into victimhood because you can't see that you're actually every single fucking thought 
that ever comes up in your mind was not created by you. It was created by someone else and they taught it to you and you agreed. So if you want to change the thought, you have to fucking wake up. That's the awakening. That is what the awakening is, is to observe your fucking mind and what you think you know and understand. This goes back to what we said earlier, that you know nothing. It's all bullshit. It is. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. And whenever I say that, people are like, oh my God, that's such a negative outlook. I'm like, no, it's the most liberating and freeing no. outlook in the world. It is. It is. It is freedom. And when yeah. we, when you're part of the freedom community and the freedom fighters, that is something that they in common understand is that what you think, you know, your identity, what you're fighting for is a distraction. Yeah. All of the things that you're spending your energy on and you're focusing on and all the attention grabbing shit like this fucking trinket that we have attached to our hand, which is called a cell phone, is just distracting you from the point of life. And maybe you have to be a number nine in your in the whatever to understand that, which I fucking hope that that's not the case, because there's billions of all the other numbers I'm sure walking this earth you, like they exist though they have to exist they have to exist they have to they exist. have to exist they have to exist and whatever but like the point is is like everything has to exist everything that everything that is what it is has to exist you have to be pissed off to get to where you need to be now you said something yes. that was fascinating interesting uh, earlier with regards to your mind you're programmed into see- seeing certain things but your mind isn't what you think your mind is you don't have any thoughts you're not having thoughts. You're not like, hmm, I think I'm hungry, right? Your, your brain is projecting to you where you sit on the frequency, right? Okay. Yeah, I like that perspective, yes. And there are, uh, I'm sure you've heard of the term breatharians. Have you heard of this term? No. So no. a breatharian is somebody who doesn't eat any food at all. No. Oh. They so occasionally they eat an apple. Yeah. They just, they absor- they get their energy from grounding and from sun gazing. What and the fuck? yeah. Um, cool. Interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. So, okay. so, so, okay. So here's, an, here's another tangent. Should I go on this tangent? No, I'm going to finish this story. Um, so if breatharians this, exist, this episode's going to be called tangents. Exactly. And other it's all, exactly. It's all it is. Just <laughs> tangents. Yeah. Um, so breatharians exist. Uh, if they, they exist and they, and they, there's interviews, you can look it up. Breatharians. These are what these people do. Right. So the idea that we eat food um, at all is probably limiting. Like the food that we eat is killing us and we're absorbing the energy. If you kill a distressed chicken, you absorb that energy. Your brain works on the same frequency. So when you, just like the radio, when you tap into, if you go to an old school radio with a dial and you start scrolling up and down the radio frequencies, you're going up and down the channels. Shea 106, 106.9, the bear sure it's not even that anymore um you know you're 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 tapping into that so you're going up and down the dial getting new music the radio is not creating the music you're just rummaging through the frequencies yes and in third dimension the frequencies are in the air they're in the ethos and this device that's in your hand is now pulling it out of the ethos and making it make noise your brain is the exact same thing it's pulling the shit out of the ethos and making it make noise so it, that's what you think your thoughts are, mm, right? So cool. if if you yeah. don't know how to make a lot of money, it's because you haven't raised your vibration. You haven't mm. tuned into that frequency. If you're, if you're living in scarcity, everything around you looks like scarcity. 
because you're tuned into that. So when you decide that you want more, your brain, your brain is just a receiver. And when you go up and down the frequency, you change the channel, you change the station. You go from, from being a world-class athlete to being 240 pounds because you mm-hmm. changed the station. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not that, yeah, you, it, love it. it's not that you're in this position where I'm having these thoughts and I'm breaking my own brain with my, with my own thoughts. It's that you're tapped into a world that doesn't understand. This is also where depression and anxiety come from. When you mm-hmm. fight your own thoughts, you're completely going against the grain. And that's because mm. you're living in the third dimension and you're believing the stuff you see on TV. Yet it's going against what you naturally feel, taste, smell, touch, and hear. You're at yes. war with yourself because of the way it's been delivered. Uh, anxiety and depression is the easiest thing to get rid of once you can sort of look into that, when you when you can look into yourself inwardly. Do you think that you're at... You, okay, I agree with you when you say you're at war with yourself, but the thinking mind is going to say you're at war with something else. There is because, nothing else. Because the media is going to create some sort of villain. You created the you, media. Right. I, I understand where you're going, but like just for like the person that that's in grade five here, it's going to like, it's going to feel like you are at war with something else. Like something else is the enemy to take the responsibility off of you. When you, it's not your fault. It's their fault. And that's what the media does. When you say we're talking to grade fives here, if we're talking to a grade five person who's listening to this right now, um, grade five is pretty high by the way, using the term, but if somebody that doesn't understand, if somebody that's at war with something else, Yes. Shut it all down. Sensory deprivation. Mm, yes. Oh, right. Have you done one of those silent retreats? A float tank? No. No, no, no. Like a silent retreat where you don't fucking talk for 10 days. I live my life that way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Three hours of talking later. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so after I get off this podcast, I'm probably not going to say another word for until I'm, I'm on with clients tomorrow. Yeah, we, were, we weren't joking when we said we're, we need to meditate after this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I definitely want to try the float tank. Um, I do want to see one, one of those retreats because I've heard about them. I think they're great. Um, yeah, I want to try one so bad. I'm really interested. This, this brings, this brings me back to the, the tangent. You do, you do uh, the nudist colonies. Um, do no, you go- I don't do the nudist colonies. I was at a nudist colony because we randomly... Um, decided to do a trip to the US. We had we we're we're building a garage. Long story short, we ordered a bunch of stuff from the US, but in order to get the exemption so we wouldn't have to pay to bring it over, we had to stay in the US for 2 days. But ordering in the US was so much cheaper that for us to go down to the US for a few days was still saving us money. Mm-hmm. So, we our Michael was like our, his best friend was like, "Hey, well, my wife and I are doing this wine tour. Do you want to join us?" And we were like, "Yes, let's freaking go." So they were at this really cute bed and breakfast, but there was no space there. And because we were so last minute, there was no campsites available. There was nothing. So we were like, shit, we went on Airbnb and just rented out like the cheapest Airbnb that we could possibly find. It was 92 bucks Canadian. We're like, perfect. It's this cabin. Looks great. And as we were like driving down and like looking through the instructions, like how do we check in, you know, when you get all the stuff, it said clothing optional. Oh, okay. And we were like, what the fuck did we book? Nice. Anyways, we ended up staying at a nudist colony. There was, everyone was nude. And, and it just so happened that we, that weekend on the Saturday, they had kink fest. <laughs> so, wow. They, yeah. They had like a, they had like a, like an apparatus. They like built this whole kink 
playground with like sex swings and like it was crazy. And we went and there was a big bonfire and we Duh. judged a kink contest. We kept our clothes on. Well, Michael actually did one little nude stint. It was hilarious. Oh, so that's what I was going to say. Like, did you at least partake? Like, just because you're you're in a spot right now where these people aren't judging. Now, the fact that no, you said yeah. it was a kink fest, that kind of throws me because of like, there's a huge difference between nudity and kink and just, totally. and just being naked in a naturist colony that are just people that want to be naked. Like, if you take the sexuality out of nudity, I think it's beautiful. I think that there's yes. nothing more stunning than nude art um, done and right. And that's with, the vibe. The yeah. whole vibe of everyone there was like another planet. And when I say earlier in the show, I talked about like going to another country and like witnessing their culture. This was the same thing inside of our own, like, well, in North America. Like it was, it was so interesting to observe the way that, that these people just loved and appreciated the body. It was so much different than anything I've experienced. And it's just like another layer of, of like unpacking. So why didn't you push yourself? Why didn't you push yourself and just get out there and be naked? Um, well, okay. Two reasons. The first was that we weren't there very often. Like we were doing this wine tour situation. So like we got up and left our house, for example, like we got there on Friday night, super late. We saw the nude people around a bonfire, but we just driven like five hours. So we're like, we're fucking tired. So we went to bed. In the morning, we left at nine in the morning and didn't come back till nine at night. And then we left on the Saturday, Sunday, super early. So why didn't I do it? I, that was one part of it because it was like early morning, late night. I was tired. I like, you know, it, it just didn't. The, the the cabin we booked was a functional, was functional. We were staying there very limitedly. Do you know what I mean? If I had inadvertently booked a nudist colony, I would be out I naked. I would be just, hey, if you guys are naked, I'm naked. So the second reason is because I I didn't feel safe enough to do it. And mm. the demographic was mostly men that were, it was like, I saw 40 dicks. Nice. And there was maybe but there was like a third or a quarter of the women there and they, the women weren't really, it was the, a lot of men and the, older men. And I just was like, you know what? I don't need to show my body to these people. It's not for like, I, I felt like it would, I, yeah, they size me up. They, they, they it just didn't feel right. Well, that makes the However, most sense being uncomfortable like that. No, I get that. I sure. was uncomfortable. Michael, however, wasn't. So he he ended up walking to the bathroom and back nude in the morning on the Sunday after. It was the fucking cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Just I, watching his butt walk away. Jiggle away, but, boy. But yeah, okay. So okay, so I laugh about that sort of stuff because I'm like, I mean, I mean, that's so nudity to most men that are like free and clear. Probably Michael's the same mind. Like it's it was probably really funny for him to do that. It was hilarious. Yeah, he was probably laughing it. his ass off. Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 see, that's what I'm talking about with like, with that sort of thing. Like when I said before, have you ever been surrounded by like 20 naked people and you're like, yeah, nudist colony. I thought that maybe that, you, that you partook in that. Cause I did have questions. I've never been, I've never done that sort of thing, Yeah. Uh, but it does fascinate me. And like you hit the nail on the head or you, 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 you explain it the way I assumed it would be too, where it's like all the people you expect to be there were there. Um, yes. Everyone would. And I took my wounds and my fears and projected them onto these people that's something that i did that's why i felt uncomfortable they didn't make me uncomfortable yeah. i made myself uncomfortable so they were just being them 
And I was just being me in my sense. And I was uncomfortable because of the things that I have experienced and my story. So I just want to make that clear because it's an important distinction. They weren't, they were being lovely, accepting, welcoming people, but I put my, I projected my bullshit onto them and made it about me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. No matter how sort of enlightened we decide to be every nuance, uh, we get the opportunity to face our shadow. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. What yeah, about, so, so, was it, so what's your take on nudity? And like on your property, you said you got two acres. Do you, are you out on the back nine fucking naked? Do you do, yeah, you do that? Well, <laughs> we do. Um, we have a hot tub and we oftentimes go naked. Okay. There's a caveat in the summer, which is when you'd want to be the naked the most. Mm -hmm. Um, Michael's dad lives with us in the summer. He lives in Thailand most of the time. And then in the summers he motorcycle races with Mike. And, um, so he comes and stays with us for like three, four months. So when he's around, I don't. Right. Because that is just not a good line. There's a line. I'm not well, you don't want your husband's dad to watch you do yeah, your way it's to the just hot no, tub. It's just a no. Okay. Like I like being nude. Otherwise we're nude all the time. Like we live in the country. Uh, it's, it's super, it's, it's, but I also grew up in a nude family. Like we were nude together. My mom would be naked and we would be like sharing bathrooms and she would change in front of us. And it wasn't weird. We yeah. didn't make it sexual. We just, it was just, it, we all kind of grow up differently around nudity and we were like a nude family. And that might sound weird to some people, but it might sound totally normal to others. And like, so um, Michael also is a, a nude person. Like he walks in the door after work or after doing something and he takes all his clothes off. His clothes are hanging over every fucking chair in the house. And he walks around in his boxers or completely nude. Like, he puts his boxers on more when his dad's here, but he would go nude in front of his dad. Um, but yeah, we do. We definitely um, skinny dip. We have a pool. We we just kind of like the guy. <laughs> so at the nudist colony, we met two guys, our neighbors. One was no pants, Dave. And then there was pants, Dave. <laughs> nice. And so one of the guys was completely, completely nude 100% of the time. Um, and he was like, he had this like mega job up in HSBC Bank of America and was like a ball and rolling in the deep, like super rich dude. And um, you would never know. He was just so grounded and down to earth. And like, that's how I sort of like, there's a, there's a lot of million dollar campers in the nudist colony and everyone was, it was the true it was a true definition of equality mm -hmm. and acceptance. That's what that is. It was equality and acceptance. No one was judging anyone. We're not talking about perfect young looking bodies either. We're talking about all walks of life. Oh yeah. Everything. Yeah. And, and everyone was so accepting and beautiful and, and confident like the women, there was a lot of women that I knew were, 250 to 350 pounds. Okay. And they walked more confidently than some of the fitness gurus that I see and the business women, the CEOs of Ottawa. They didn't give a single fuck what people thought about them. It was Liberation. beautiful. Yeah. It was liber they they were free. They lived free and they accepted everyone and everyone was welcomed. And that was a really cool life lesson for me because you like 
like we were talking about earlier, you don't know what you don't fucking know. And you can't think of new ideas. You have to witness them and experience them to 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 be able to see them and hold them. And this is what that was. It was really, really cool. Um, but the guy, no pants, Dave, he we were talking about our fertility stuff. He's like, you got to start sunning. <laughs> He's like telling Michael to go and stick his balls and his butthole in towards the sun for he's like, do it for five minutes a day. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. I was going to, I was going to bring this up, but, and I've talked about it on my show. Yeah. Um, I invented butthole yoga. Yes. I need a drink or something. Yes. Give me some wine right now. Yeah. Right. So, so that was a bold statement to make. Right. But here's the thing. And I've got, I got a girlfriend of mine that can, that can attest to this. We were making jokes about, uh, cocaine and how, Uh if you do, if you do too much, you can't breathe it in. And people were like hooping cocaine because you, you know, you get a high from that because you, your, your anus takes in, um, and and unfilters as well. Um, wait, hooping? Is sticking what it in your say? in your butt, cocaine up your okay, butt. Okay, I I have never done cocaine in my whole life. Well, good, good. I'm not saying you should start, and don't I'm start not by hooping. With it. hooping, don't stick don't it in your start. anus first off. All right, that's not how you start with cocaine. <laughs> okay, good. So good to know. No, exactly. <laughs> Won't do that the first time. So, um, so yeah, so so we were making these jokes about this stuff, and then we were talking about butthole. And we were talking about how your butthole absorbs uh, everything so quickly. Uh, like you could take a beer and like you could do like an, a beer, like enema and enema? You'd, you'd get shit based because you're, you're the alcohol really? goes right into your bloodstream through your rectum mm-hmm. because through your anus walls. This is great, great, so great stuff here. Your sh- toxic shit go right into your system. It does. Everything in you is fucking toxic. All the shit that's in you right now is toxic. Everything. We're not, mm-hmm. we're, we're in North America. We're not operating optimally. You know, like why do our fuck, why does our fucking hair thin out the older we get? You know, why does this? Why do your knees start creaking? Because of the fuck, because of our anuses. Anyway, so. It's, it's all your butthole. It's all your butthole. Your butthole for the love <laughs> of God. about this butthole yoga. Like, so breathe it, in, breathe out. We parlayed. Dog. We, exactly. We parlayed into this stuff. And it's like, you know, you get a lot of vitamin D from the sun. And I was saying, you know, when you get a lot of, you know, if you fucking hoop the cocaine, I said to her, I'm like, well, what if you just fucking point your butthole at the sun for like five minutes a day? You just, that's butthole yoga. You just literally point your butthole spread Mm -hmm. cheeks wide open, you know, not in front of the neighbors, obviously. Yeah. But you just point your butthole at the sun. And I made this joke with her. Uh, and we, we sort of like, it it went on for like, I don't know. We were, we were, uh, we were hilarious at the time, obviously. And we just went on with it. Yeah. We just went on with it forever. (laughs) And then boom. And we talk about manifestation and then boom, it starts showing up everywhere. She starts sending me links. She's like, look at this shit. Look at this shit. She's like, we just invented, we just made this up and now it's fucking everywhere. And that was, that's why I say I invented it because my frequency projected this out into the ethos and then it yeah. came back in, in various forms of all these people. And you see all this stuff. She, she, she still sends me stuff as, as a joke because we talked about it like four years ago, four or five years ago, which is butthole yoga. And now, and now naked Dave is like, Hey man, stick your balls in the sun. And it makes so much sense. Your, your taint and your balls uh, go in the sun and, and you absorb it. Like the sun doesn't stop at your skin. It runs right through you. The frequency runs right through you. So what started off as a joke is actually ultra beneficial to put your butthole in the sun. Did you think that we were going to be talking about buttholes on this podcast? Not at all. No, <laughs> not at all. This is like riveting. 
I'm going to isolate that clip. This is what you get. It's a shame that my face isn't on here because I'm laughing as I'm telling this story. It's a great. You know, to anyone listening to the show on, on the podcast forum, yeah, my, my camera died about 20 minutes ago. And so so she's just staring at my avatar right now. I know. Well, which might be why she said, said avatar. Maybe that's a good time for us to wrap it up because, man, we got to leave it at the butthole yoga, I think. Yeah, that we can. just too good. We can tie off on butthole yoga. Um. But yeah, the next time we get together, we can talk about God. We can talk about this, that, and the other thing. I mean, you technically hosted this one. Uh, I could host the next one, but you know, who knows? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you and I will definitely get to, we'll definitely reconnect. I'll definitely uh, block out more time next time because uh, love it. That and, was really fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, man, I had a blast. This was, this was easily the longest podcast I've been on in a long time. So <laughs> we definitely Joe Rogan'd it up right here. We certainly did. Woo, we're changing the world. Perfect. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mental Mastery Alliance podcast. Stay connected with us directly through the mentalmasteryalliance.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash the Mental Mastery Alliance. Let the team know you're listening by using the hashtag TMMA or tagging us at the Mental Mastery Alliance. To have your voice heard on the show, leave a voicemail or send a text to 647-338-1265. Long distance charges may apply. If you love us, leave us a review. If you hate us, you spend your time in weird ways. But also, leave a review. Every review on iTunes tickles the algorithm helping us grow. Until next time, unity over division. This concludes the most surreal portion of your day. You got it, Pontiac.